and welcome to episode 199 of Flicks in the Six. Thank you for joining us on this tangential approach to episode 200. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the sauce for supreme, Alessandro Vialsi. Say hello, Al. I'm back! <laughs> I've, had that one, I've had that one ready to go for a couple of weeks now. That stupid video. And I totally, I was like, I, I was getting ready, I was like putting my notes together while I was eating dinner tonight. And I was like, alright, let me like update everything because I haven't touched it in a couple of weeks because we had a planned week off that followed sure. an unplanned week off. And... I was like, oh, I have something good for this. And I clicked on it. I was like, it just like snapped me back to that moment of when I wrote what, it down immediately. Which video was, was it? Oh, you didn't get it for my singing? It wasn't very good. <clears throat> the stupid Spider-Man one. I'm where The Spider-Man one. Yes. No, I knew I sent you a million of them. And I knew it was from some. And I couldn't piece it together. But oh my God, that was so good. <laughs> so uh, weird. Not nearly as good as the Tashi Station one. But that one's pretty good. I, I didn't watch that one yet. I know you told me to. Well, it's 15 uh, minutes long. So uh, that's, okay. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, my, my, except- well, I was going to say, I had an alternative. The other one I was going to put down was, which we're going to get to much, much later, because uh, we're this episode probably will rival a extended edition Lord of the Rings movie. But sure. the one I was going to go with was, I love you, but so oh. what? So, <laughs> so what, indeed. <laughs> it's funny, I've watched that episode twice, so it's Jeez. very fresh, all the lines. <laughs> well, I have a story about that, so. I, I didn't, you cut out for me, the recording picked it up, but I, I believe oh, you said okay. something about having a story, so. I said I have a story about that as well, but that'll be for later. <laughs> Excellent. On this week's episode, we've got Comic-Con, MCU phases 4, 5, and 6, Freezer Stories, Cruise Brawl, Witcher Season 3 casting, Subway Sandwich, Museum of Failure, there's so much, all before diving into our flick of the week, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness. And don't forget to stay tuned after the credits, where we will be checking Saul's voicemails. But first, Al, what's on tap? Sorry, you caught me mid-sip. Um, yeah, I'm going we, straight for it. We, we got no, there's no time to run around today. <laughs> I know, I know. We got to power through it. But I, uh, I, I, I downed my last sip of uh, energy drink, which was coffee-flavored. And I was like, I need to purge that mm, yeah, from the palate before funds. we get to the beer. So <laughs> sure. we're drinking Tin Barn Brewing's Alpha Queen Quadruple New England IPA, which is 12% alcohol by volume. This was from the brewery that I went to for my birthday this past year. Uh, I believe I gave you three or four beers from them. They, yeah, I really, in there. I really enjoyed this brewery. I haven't been out back there yet, and I haven't seen it anywhere in store, but they sold a lot of their own stuff from there. So uh, we picked up a bunch of them on the way out, and uh, I really enjoyed their stuff. Um, uh, this is definitely one of the beers I had while we were there. Um, I know at least one other one. It's like a cranberry sour that I gave you that yeah. time while I was there. That was really good. So nice. I'm looking forward to doing that one eventually as well. Uh, there's not much to say about what's on this can uh it's just the general uh advice for how you should handle it she's got a hell of a train yeah no the uh the uh what's called the the actual picture is pretty cool i'm I'm guessing this must be a reference to something specific you see Mm. a queen in a a red dress with a train that's about five miles long and goes off into the sunset sunrise up into the mountains i don't know there's like uh, a carnival happening outside my window are you hearing that (laughs) i heard something i couldn't tell what it was (laughs) She's got some uh, some shadowy figures behind her as well. She looks yeah, it's kind of creepy. I don't know if she's brooding or melancholy or plotting. Mm. There's something unclear. And then there's this weird plaid at the bottom. Yeah, or is this is this tartan? Is that what that is? I don't know. You know what it looks like to me is you ever glitch in a video game and like fall through the level? Oh, all the time. 
that's kind of what it seems like happened here. Like it like printed above <laughs> where it was supposed to be and like the excess nonsense printed below it. But I like it. I still right, like I can it. confirm that that is in fact tartan. Uh, ooh, tartan versus plaid. Oh, plaid God. and tartan both contain <laughs> horizontal and vertical lines that intersect at 90 degree angles. Plaid is used in the U.S. to describe a multicolored cross-line pattern. Americans do use the word tartan, but when they do, it should be to describe the plaid associated with the clan. Oh, I see. Okay. Because I was okay. Say, I'm pretty sure tartan has a very specific, like, Scottish connotation. Yeah, that's what they that's what they were calling their kilts in, like, Outlander. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking up Alpha Queen, and I'm finding porn. <laughs> Sorry. The, 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 the top I feel like this is, uh, you're in Tobias territory right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I no. The top search result was uh, for some like Harlequin romance novel. Okay. So more like Joey confronting, um, what's her name, <laughs> vis a vis the vicar. <laughs> what are you doing? The, the, the vicar won't be home for hours. <laughs> That's how do you know that word? <laughs> you know, you got the, porn. <laughs> the high, the high class version of uh, of porn. Um. <laughs> But yeah, as to what this is referring to uh, on this can, I can possibly tell, and I, we don't have enough time to figure it out right now. So sure, yeah, cool. Well, I'm not sure that I've had a quadruple Nipa, but I'm happy to give it a taste. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cheers, <laughs> cheers. Mm. Okay, it's it's strong. It's strong. I can see it on your face. It's, it's, it's definitely strong, but it's, it's like strong. strong apple juice. I don't know what's going on. It tastes it tastes and smells like apple juice to me. Um, it's not. Apple juice. Well, you know, I guess I can kind of see where you're coming from with that. But no, it, I mean, there is definitely some residual sweetness, which is not uncommon for whether it be a Belgian quadruple like Three sure. Philosophers or a quadruple any IPA because yeah, it's de- definitely getting the, the Three Philosophers vibe. Yeah. So in order to get that mm. high of an alcohol content, you have to boost the sugar in a big way in order to ferment it. <laughs> but that means you also get... Would you say you have to put sugar in water? <laughs> sugar in water. <laughs> More. <laughs> but that, that typically re- results in some residual additional sweetness. Because for all the additional sugar you put in, some of it still floats freely, even though some of it has been additionally fermented. Gotcha. That's interesting. I could actually, that, when you put it that way, it does almost have a flavor of like you stirred sugar into iced tea. Well, because typically, like, for, like, a Belgian double, triple, quadruple, I don't know how they made this beer, but for those styles of beer, no matter what uh, brewery is making it, you don't just add more barley. You actually add, in addition to a lot of barley malts, you also add Belgian candy sugar, just straight up Mm -hmm. white confectioner-type sugar. Um, Not, like, um, powdered sugar. I realize, like, that's what usually confectioner me, but like yeah. one that you would actually use to make candy, actual, actual yeah. sugar. You pour that in addition to the barley just to get this jacked up sugar content. Um, hmm. But it leaves that residual extra sweetness because of that. Interesting. Is so I'm there, guessing they did the same thing for this. Is there a way to make this and balance, like figure out the appropriate ratio that they're like the leftover wouldn't end up like the sugar gets eaten, right? Yeah. So you could, it would be no, because like that sugar is not cheap because like it's yeah like high quality refined and like and it's it's not like re- regular sugar cane sugar which is like dry like that you would pour in your coffee. This is almost like brown sugar, but it's right. pure white. 
Like, but mm-hmm. like the, 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 the texture of it is very similar to that where it's kind of almost sticky. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's not cheap sugar. Like that, that requires some processing to get it to that point. Um, it's in, it's intentional to have that sort of sugar in it, but in order to, to get the proper attenuation to get the sugar content down, you'd probably have to repitch the yeast several times. And in this case, they may even double pitch or triple pitch this yeast because anything above like 8%, a lot of times you'll have to pitch additional yeast because the yeast obviously thrives in the sugary environment and it creates the alcohol as a byproduct. But eventually, once it creates enough... (laughs) (laughs) Once it creates enough alcohol, that alcohol byproduct actually begins to kill the yeast. Okay, yeah. Once the alcohol content reaches a certain level. So you may have to put additional healthy yeast in two or three times to get, you know, you may get to 8% of the first fermentation, and then you might get to like 10% of the second fermentation, and then like 12% of the third fermentation. It's like this ongoing violent war happening when you're making beer. (laughs) Well, it is. It's kind of the same thing as like trapping your own self in a room, like... You thrive in the oxygen-rich environment, but you keep pushing out CO2, and then eventually the mm. CO2 will kill you because you're not getting it. You know, it's it's too much. That byproduct is too much. Yeah, that was dark. Um, what? Uh, <laughs> where would you go vis-a-vis the thuckles on this one? Um, I'd probably give this three thuckles. I enjoy three thuckles. Really That's good. Strong. I'll give, I'll give uh, it, it, it is strong. It's definitely not like let me knock down a bunch of. First of all, it'll knock you down. Second of yeah. all. It is an intense experience, so it's yeah. not for the faint-hearted, and it's probably not for more than one at a time. Even if you aren't worried about getting trashed, yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. I get that. I also, um, you hit the uh, nail on the head with the three philosophers uh, because all I could think about was that night that I had three of those and nine philosophers. Yeah, nine. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> nine, nine philosophers, uh, and that was too much. There's there yeah. too many philosophers. <laughs> there was a lot of thinking. <laughs> not, not, all, not all of it productive either, I'm sure. Not, um, no, not at all. There were also tacos. <laughs> okay. I, I remember the first time I had three philosophers, it was when we watched the Pacquiao Mayweather fight when you were here. You brought mm. some. Um, that was a good time. I brought it? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <a ending. laughs> yes, you, you shot I'm, the I'm going to go... I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go with two thuckles on this only because like I I feel like to 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 eke into the three and four range it's got to be something that I want to have more often or semi regularly this is this is I'm good I'm good with this one it's very good I, my only real criticism is I do wish there was a little bit more hoppiness to balance out the sugar a bit yeah it, yeah. it does feel like the sugar won the war against the bitterness this is more of a soda. <laughs> 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 it's a hard soda. <laughs> Alpha Queen. Nice. Well, God, one job, Al. I've got one job. <laughs> you forgot to put that in the that's, beer thing? That's not it's, true. I actually have a lot of jobs with regards true. to this. Um, I'm going to cut myself a little slack. I am but gonna... you, did a, you did a good job the last few weeks, and you made me feel bad for like, oh, Anthony had a bad run. Let me try and remind him this time. And yeah. you're like, I got it already. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll get back in my one place. Time. I'll get back in my place. Stay in your lane. I will stay in my lane. And now you probably went back to forgetting. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I think it's time for some news and nuggets, uh, which will be the remainder of your life. So we've got got a lot to cover. And I think we should start off with 
freezer stories. So you had a it was a minor freezer story, nothing too crazy. Uh, you were emptying a freezer fridge, checking things out, making sure all things you got all taken care of. You're good now, yeah. right? Your fridge is good. Um, I mean, it's 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 cooling. There's still nothing in it. I think mm-hmm. actually, my my mom might have just been starting to lightly put some stuff into it because it's been like we left it overnight, turned off to defrost, and she plugged it in yeah. sometime this morning. So. Like the freezer okay. itself probably isn't ready for full action until maybe tomorrow. <laughs> it's not ready for action yet. Uh, the couple of weeks back, we went to a. Uh, you were there. We went to a ninety fifth birthday party. Yes, and it was far away. On the way out the door, out the garage door, I heard a weird humming noise coming from the back of the garage, and I have a surge protector plugged in back there that I have a bunch of like electric lawn tools like battery charges are plugged into mm-hmm. and it was making a weird noise so i was like you know what i don't have time for this i'm unplug just gonna unplug it, it. Yeah. yeah unplugged it um there was another surge protector plugged into a different outlet that i was like let's just cover our bases turned it off left now people say this when you have a kid your your brain is completely overloaded right you're just not thinking about all the things you're mostly mm-hmm. thinking about keeping the kid alive um one of the things that was plugged into the second thing that turned off was our chest freezer ah which i did not realize until like three days later when i went to go get something out of the freezer and i was like oh it's hot <laughs> what? That's, the, that's the opposite i was like did it break no you're just a moron <laughs> i'm sensing a theme vis-a-vis you and keeping things cold though oh <laughs> Yeah, things that are supposed to be, that's that's how it's manifesting itself for me is things that are supposed to be cold or just hot. I uh and like the week after that specifically party, that weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the week after that party I was going leaving for vacation. I was packing the car, which was ridiculous to pack for a week. Uh the the, the child requires many things. <laughs> and 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 then that fills the car. So I got everything out. Got it all laid out by the car. I was like, okay thinking about how I'm going to fit everything. Because I've got a lot of space in my car to fit stuff. So it's like, we just got to figure it out the right way. Like, you know what? Things, yeah. Easy easy option here. The the single, like the, the carry-on suitcase fits perfectly in the frunk. Let me start there. Pop up Sorry, the frunk. Sorry, did you say go. the frunk? Yeah. That's what it's called. I, don't, I it understand, open. but I don't approve. <laughs> I popped it open and I went, oh no. <laughs> and it was all of the beer that you gave me the prior week. And it was pretty hot that week. <laughs> yeah. But um It's probably fine. I don't know. I had one of them so far. It seemed like it was fine. Okay. We'll see. Four of them aren't even for me. They were gifts. It's, yeah, so it wasn't a bunch of them for Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, just, just, for just maybe stories. don't tell them. I already told them. I was like, look, <laughs> they might be off. If it seems off, it, it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bad. <laughs> it's not you. It's the beer. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. What's uh, uh, what's the Museum of Failure? Oh, I'm glad you asked. So, no, wrong thread. Quick thread on Twitter. I saw this. This is now, uh, oh, only about a week ago. Okay, it's not too bad. Yeah, all right. There is a muse- Museum of Failure in Sweden, which highlights 150 plus failed products. It's meant to show that innovation requires risk-taking and failure. Here huh. are 10 gems you may not remember. Crystal Pepsi. 2006. The ESPN phone. What? It's a, what? It's an, ES- <laughs> it's, it's an ESPN branded flip phone. Do you want me to send you the, the, the thread? You can follow along. 
Does it just go da 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 da? Is that, uh, is that it's like built in ring? <laughs> slightly more than that, but not enough to, uh, you know, warrant its whole thing. I just sent you the, uh, Oh no! Upon upon Google search, the first uh, call out line is the embarrassing failure that made ESPN a mobile juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, ESPN phone uh, is a very niche thing that gets made fun of often. Um, it's a like, Sanyo. Uh, wow. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious! Um, the ESPN branded flip phone provided grainy video highlights and twenty four seven sports news. <laughs> it cost four hundred dollars or quote free. <laughs> With a sixty-five to two hundred and twenty-five dollar per month plan, that is oh a God. really wide range of things. Two hundred to twenty-five dollars a month. Yes, it lasted less than one year. With Steve Jobs telling ESPN execs, "Quote: Your phone is the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is literally a flip phone. It, now, to be fair, they were just clearly ahead of their time because this is basically what the smartphone is now. Like it's just yeah. ESPN the phone, but also Google the phone and. Amazon the phone and like, every single yeah. thing you could think of at the in the palm of your hand, they were innovators, but probably too narrow in scope and about five years too early. <laughs> and Steve Jobs and Thanos voice went, "I'll do it myself." <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, he's like, he's like, "This is the dumbest fucking thing in the world. Why would you only have ESPN on your phone? Have everything on your phone? Here we come." Yeah, right. That's yeah. basically what they did. Yeah. Um. So the next thing we have is IKEA Air. Uh, it's a a dot r i dot r. Sorry, in the 1980s, IKEA took do-it-yourself and transportable to new heights with its line of inflatable furniture. <laughs> no valves constantly leaked and needed repu- repumping. The this air sofa. Did, it did last almost a decade, though. It is a. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's it's the most absurd-looking sofa I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's hysterical. Man. It looks like, you know what it looks like? It looks like the bottom jaw of fake vampire teeth. Yes. That you pop in your wow. mouth. Wow. What a pull. That is right? 100% <laughs> accurate. <laughs> I, um, could, I could feel my gums being in pain. <laughs> that's that's bomb. Um, not to be outdone by ESPN the phone, we have Twitter Peak, which survived from 2009 to 2010, a $200 handheld device that only ran Twitter. It was a disaster. Twitter. The Twitter Peak? Yes. You can only out. see 20 characters at a time. Amazing. Oh, linked because web- 140 was just... <laughs> yes. Linked, linked websites were inaccessible. And sure. It, on- it only refreshed the 10 most recent tweets on your timeline. <laughs> what did it cost? Uh, $200. No, like a month. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, this That was the device cost. I don't know what the, oh my uh, gosh. the service cost was. That's amazing. Uh, did, oh, sorry. Were you? Oh my gosh! Because you saw the next thing. Because the next thing is mm. the most special. No, list. I'm actively not looking at the list because I like it better this way. Okay, good. <laughs> because don't take another sip of that drink. Because the next thing is the spray-on condom. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, <laughs> like the don't change that dial. Yes. Don't take another uh, sip of that drink. Well, I saw you. I saw you taking a sip, and I was like, "Let me wait one second because I appreciate I, it. That will actually, as much as I appreciate getting you to break and or have a spit take, that would have been explosive." <laughs> the the spray on. I'm not gonna Google this one. Spray on condom um, doesn't feel right. Step one: insert junk into spray apparatus. Apparatus. Put your junk in the sprayer. <laughs> Step two, spray on melted latex. Step three, 
wait three minutes for it to dry. Step four, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this is how you do it. <laughs> it's my spray on latex. <laughs> Um, wow. the next, the next item. Yeah, that is, I, I would like to show the spray on condom to Steve jobs and see if he retracts his comments on ESPN, the phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? Fair enough. This is the stupidest fucking idea I've ever seen. <laughs> Lifesaver holes in the early 1990s. Uh, honestly, this was a kind of a good idea. Lifesaver launched a product that was supposed to resemble the punched out holes from the OG circular candies. It totally. Flopped. I remember this. I didn't remember this one. Yeah, I've I I vividly remember this packaging too. I had a bunch of these. Hmm. Um, I think I ate a-, a lot of candy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember a lot of the classic '90s candies, but I don't remember this one. This is like a straight up choking hazard. Oh, definitely. It's like designed to be one. <laughs> <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> Next uh, item is the Nintendo Power Glove. From 1990 uh, to 1990. This was one of Nintendo's first forays into VR tech. It sold 600,000 units in the first six weeks. That's okay. VR tech. Did, relax. <laughs> but didn't actually do anything of note. But the hand motion tech would later develop into the super successful Nintendo Wii controller. Mm-hmm. I have no memory of the Power Glove. Oh, it, I remember the Power Glove. It looks exactly how it should for its time. Again, just way ahead of their time. Great idea. There's zero percent chance that the tech would have worked back then, and honestly, they're still not even there yet. Yeah, I, I had one of those, uh, one of those friends growing up that had everything. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know, like the power glove, the the dragon sword, which for some reason was unfindable, like <laughs> things like that. Uh, this thing was was very was very odd looking, but obviously, I was wanted. Oh, of course. Pretty sure it made an appearance in that uh, that Neil Patrick Harris Christmas movie. From this past year, I don't remember which uh, one. The one you mentioned, Disney Plus joint, yeah. Okay. Or a Netflix joint. I don't remember. This next one, wow, Power Glove, love it. This next one might be my personal favorite. Um, Harley Davidson cologne <laughs> from 1996 <laughs> to 2005. It's made with bits of the real Harley Davidson. <laughs> Harley has a strong brand, and merch makes up approximately five percent of its sales. In the mid-1990s, the motorbike manufacturer got a little ambitious with its brand extension strategy, Eau de Toilette, a.k.a. Cologne. The scent was called, wait for it, Hot Rod. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> I said, this that, that's great. probably my personal favorite. Oh, you skipped ahead? No, I found the original ad. <laughs> oh, I would love to see that. It's wonderful. It's just this very muscular man in a in a uh, well in a tank top. I was about to to call it three different things that I'm pretty sure are inappropriate today. Uh, but he's in a tank top and I can only think of all tattoos. He's got long hair that is like flying back in the wind, but it's because of the force of the spray of the cologne that it's back. <laughs> I would love to see that commercial. All right, oh, this next, is wonderful. Next item is the Apple Pippin from Apple 19, Pippin. 1996 to 1997. Pre-Steve Jobs' return, Apple launched a gaming console. It used Macintosh huh. tech, so it was pretty powerful, but way overpriced. It cost $600 versus $200 for the N64. In a year on the market, Apple sold 42,000 units. Uh, N64 sold 300,000 on the first day. <laughs> I wow. actually 
I don't remember the Pippin, but I have heard of it before. I kind of forgot yeah. about it, though, until I was reading this. I had n- neither of those things. Never heard of it. But now I want one. Um, okay. I'm pretty so sure I have, like, all of... I, I think I have, like, Pippin games um, from back when never, I was, like, scraping the internet for games. <laughs> but never had, like, the... Oh, you're right! I think... Um, didn't the, uh, the little thing you make... I think uh, so. That has games for the Pippin, I think. You're right. I believe it does, yeah. Um, what is, it has a little... Did you see the controller? Yeah, it's weird. The controller it looks like a boomerang. Crazy. It's a boomerang with a trackball in the middle. What was yeah, going on in that age with putting the, like a very right in the specific control that is needed for everything right in the middle of the device? <laughs> well, Anthony, what do you do with things that are the most important? You put them dead center. You put them in the, you put them in the middle. Completely out of reach. I just don't understand how it's like only Xbox that has figured out how to lay out the sticks. Well, you know what happened, right? Was someone at Nintendo saw this design and was like, ha, that's stupid. We'll put a third handle in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is the most oddly shaped controller in the history of controllers. But it did work. That third handle makes the stick functional. Because otherwise it would be this and it would be useless. I'll never forget, uh, same friend that had everything, had an N64, and he, like, early. And uh, he would hold the controller on the outside and reach his thumb across. Was he Shaq? I guess he, I mean, he had big hands, I guess. But still. Because, like, just obviously, like, obviously they made that controller with the intent that if you're using the D-pad, you could hold it like a normal controller. The thing yes. is, most games didn't feature the D-pad. They were uh, yeah. accessory. Almost none. Yeah, so yeah, great intention, really. but poor execution. Which is also funny because you limited another, like the L button, which like the L and R were like never used either. Because they realized you couldn't fucking reach it unless you were Shaq. Yeah. Shaq attack! Wow, I want to uh, get one of these. I want to get my hands on a on a Pippin. Good luck. Your hands are going to be killing you after you're done with it. <laughs> I, yeah, I really want to just experience the controller. That's really <laughs> what this is. Uh, next item funny. is the next item is the Arch Deluxe. From 1996. It's McDonald's. Is that a McDonald's? Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's McDonald's largest flop. Facing pressure from Burger King, McDonald's made an, quote, adult burger. It's a patty on potato flour bun with lettuce leaf, not shredded lettuce, tomato, and fancy mustard. It failed after $100 million in ad spend. The ad copy had children criticizing the, quote, adult taste. (laughs) What in the world? That's wow. Yeah, and wow. so underneath there, there's a little picture of. Uh, I guess it must have been part of a commercial, or maybe this was uh, something that was like, on a billboard or something like that. It looks like a a child who looks over it, and next to it, it says spinach, cauliflower. Now this, introducing the Arch Deluxe, Whoa. big sophisticated adult. It's the burger with the grown up taste. <laughs> I don't like that at all. No, it's bad. I, I think that's in the same category as the spray on condom. But the the I'm looking at a, a, a screen grab of an, one of the original ads, and I remember it. I, I didn't I, remember I, this one. I remember this vividly. I remember the McDLT. I don't remember this one. <laughs> <laughs> this has become the greatest segment of all time. <laughs> what else you got? Colgate frozen beef lasagna. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> From the early 1980s. <laughs> like the, the, the... So this one... The hang on, this, 
Yes, this one might okay. be apocryphal. Um, the Museum of Failure can't confirm whether or not this actually existed. Colgate's position is no. If true, one of the more ludicrous product crossovers ever. And uh, sure enough, there's a picture of like a frozen meal that says beef lasagna, and on top of the heading it says Colgate. Yeah, I see it. I see a yeah. I wasn't describing that a too. framed it package of it. Yes. Amazing. This can't uh, be real. The, this is this next one is it's my. Gotta second. be right up there with like the purple ketchup. Like that was, wasn't that another? That one, one was like real. That one was real. I saw it with my real. own eyes. Yeah, I um, I couldn't get over the color of it. Yeah, I did enjoy the spicy ketchup though, and then I made it myself. I just put Tabasco and ketchup. Uh, this next um, invention was my second favorite on this list: the Nike Magneto. Uh, from 1995 to 1997, Nike created a pair of futuristic sunglasses that didn't have temples. The part that goes over ah, your ear. One big catch. The Morpheus. Yes. One big catch. To wear them, you had to glue frickin' magnets on your face so the shades could clip off. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How did Morpheus do it? <laughs> I'm sure it was glue. Sure. The difference is he was doing it for a movie role not every day. Yeah. Wow. For his life. Have you the pictures of this thing are amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's pretty great. This was uh, from Trung Fan. Uh, I don't know who that is, but they are verified on Twitter. Wow. Um, someone retweeted this on my timeline. This is fantastic. Um, they are a co-host of a podcast, uh, and they work for Bloomberg, and I have a Substack. No oh, man, I'm starting to close tabs, and I just came across the lifesaver holes again. <laughs> Never, it's like one of those things it's it's so weird how memory works where like i don't think this would have ever like i would have ever remembered this ever but upon seeing a picture of it completely i remember having it i remember where i got them like <laughs> it's just ridiculous the 90s was definitely a wild time for like, cho- chocolate slash candy like innovation so many of those things rose and fall really quickly but i actually appreciate how adventurous they were some of those ideas were horrendous Mm-hmm. Some of them were fantastic. They just didn't stick around. Yo, do you remember? Do you remember a Nestle's Crunch Bar having like legitimate Rice Krispies in it and being do, really good chocolate? Do, do they not still? No, no, it's complete trash. Have you had one in the last like I don't know twenty years? It's horrible. I have had the Halloween ones that are like a bite. Yeah, I think that's when I be, uh, like became like a cynical adult was the first time I had a Nestle's Crunch Bar after a while and realized that it was complete shit and it's no longer what it used to be. And it was smaller and it, it wasn't the same chocolate and it was no longer like a decent Rice Krispie in there. It was just some half a puffed rice piece. So I'm not surprised that they skimped on the Rice Krispie part of it, but I am surprised they would skip on the chocolate because I oh, yeah, the chocolate got terrible. Of- like, that was part of the whole thing. Like, Nestle, like, used to be a legitimate... No, yeah, they... was Is the chocolate worse, or is there just other places that have better chocolate now? Because No, it's worse. Back... The chocolate's worse. And, and I, the, I didn't know for sure. I'm glad you asked that question, because I was curious. And then, weirdly enough, on my vacation, I went to a chocolatier, and I got some fudge, and I got chocolate malt balls and sour gummy worms for him. And I ate one of the chocolate malt balls, and I went, holy shit, this is what Nestle's chocolate used to taste like. And it was okay, so that, good. That's what I was going to ask, because 20 or 30 years ago, 
Nestle was like the only widely accessible good chocolate. Mm -hmm. Like it was Nestle and Hershey's and like even Hershey's was only specific products. I feel like like Hershey's is the one that's mostly associated with chocolate. Like that is their thing, right? Nestle, I feel like was known as like good chocolate, but now there are so many like boutique and like craft, like chocolate places available that they raised, raised the game so much. I, I wondered if like Nestle just stayed in the same place and they were just lapped by the competition. But you're saying you think their actual quality has dropped because I don't. Oh, their quality enough, is absolutely dropped, and I, I don't eat I, enough I just chocolate to like like no, like it's just not a thing sure. I eat very often. But even even um, to further that point, like even Hershey's, they used to be much better than they are. Like, and I'm, I don't eat it often either. But I do know I remember vividly, like I could. I remember the first time I had it and it tasted different and I'm okay. fairly certain it was a transition from sugar to corn syrup. Uh, so that's a, that's a fair point. I guess that that's a, a legitimate chance that that's, I, I really enjoy chocolate bars, but I, mm-hmm. I don't remember at what point I just stopped eating that stuff. Like, I think at a certain age you almost find it like, oh, is this like not socially acceptable? Because like I will walk through a store and think like I can't buy a candy bar. That would no, be insane. I, I think <laughs> subconsciously I made a lot of choices at a certain point. I don't drink soda anymore. Mm-hmm. I haven't for well over ten years. Sure. Um, and I don't really eat chocolate or candy outside of like. When Halloween comes around, whatever my mom has left over, I'll pick at that occasionally. Sure. Um, but I, I made those choices around the time I started drinking alcohol. I didn't consciously say, well, now because I've added alcohol as a part of my diet, I can no yeah. longer drink soda or eat candy. It just happened. And I realized yeah. afterward, I was like, oh, it's a good thing that happened because otherwise I'd be 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. We, growing up, we didn't have soda. Like we would have it once every like few Fridays. Yeah, I mean, so, that's, like, we, I never we like really just, had it regularly. So we would just really have it on the weekends too. It would be like on Friday night yeah. or Saturday night, like after dinner, I was allowed mm-hmm. to have. It. Um, yeah. Or like if we went out to eat, which obviously was super rare when I was growing up because we really didn't have much money. Like, Same. Yeah. When we, we would go, say, out. I remember that too. That's funny. I'm actually surprised. I, I'm surprised you didn't have more often because, um, just because your dad owned a pizzeria, so like obviously you had yeah, access we, to cheaper soda than the average person would have sure yeah and we didn't even really i think you know like when we would go there back when i was like really little they had a fountain and we would have like a small soda then but it was well you figured whatever your dad ordered for the pizzeria like if you would just bring a two liter home or something. oh yeah no no we never we never really we never did um and i'm i was i never like it's funny because like it was always in my mind it was like you you shouldn't it's not good like you shouldn't have it so like it's not like one of those things where, like, as I got older and more freedom, I got, like, more rebellious and drank a ton of soda. I just still didn't. And, like, I actually really enjoy it, though. So I will have it every once in a blue moon, like, especially at a movie. I love getting a soda at a movie. I don't know what yeah. it is. It tastes so good at the movies, except when you go to a shitty Regal that only has Pepsi. And- <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the funny thing guy. is, like, I, I really just don't like plain old cola, though. Like, if I, mm. I want... Like one of the other flavors, like because sure. I love I love root beer. Oh yeah. Um. So if I on the rare occasion I'm in the mood for soda, mm-hmm. which is like three times a year, like it's like let me yeah. have a root beer or yeah. an orange soda or you know a Dr Pepper. Like those are Who that's the way I orange soda. 
<laughs> that's the way I go because like I want something that actually like yeah tastes like something unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that. I I love. I also like like if I'm gonna have I would I really enjoy the like the classic Coke well, again mm-hmm. glass bottle cane sugar. Yes, like that. That's my that would be like my favorite cola, and then. Um, I do, I do like a good, like a root beer and stuff, like a, but I love those, like, you know, like a boiling soda. Like, I'm not like talking, like, I don't want to just always have, like, when I want one, I don't want just like a, like a crappy soda. Like, I want like a, like a craft soda. <laughs> craft soda. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a nice, like a nice, like cherry and cream, like something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, boiling stuff is good. Yeah. yeah. I like them. Um, we actually have a Stewart's, like, down the road from us that I went to for the first time this summer and uh kim and i got a couple of hot dogs and we shared a root beer float and it was just a wonderful day <laughs> i actually have had sorry i don't know where or why or how my mom had gotten like she's like oh i have like two bottles of like stewart's root beer <laughs> and i was like oh okay i have better out of that glass bottle it does i had one like two months ago and there's another one still sitting in the fridge i probably should drink it one of these days but like that's the, the only time i i do something like that like yeah, there was a, uh, we used to go to this pool hall, like, a lot. Like, we were there a lot, to the point where the guy that would run it would just be like, just keep playing, and it would only charge us for, like, an hour, because <laughs> we would always be there. And uh, he, he would stock the place with with those, like, boiling sodas. Like, after we started drinking them, they were, like, he would have more and more flavors. It was fantastic. Ah, man, I miss the pool hall. The pool I've hall. never been to, like, just a pool hall. I- Played pool in a bunch of different places, but sure, yeah, it was it was that was like it's the it's like one of the few things I could remember like where we had a thing that we can go out and do that was like relatively inexpensive. You could kill a couple of hours. It was social. Like a bunch of friends would be able to show up because it was accessible where we were, like via bus or like some people had cars. Like it was it was awesome. Like bowling was for a little while, but then all of a sudden bowling prices like skyrocketed and we would stop going and we went to play pool instead. And the only other, the other thing that we wanted to do was arcades, but there was only like one option and it wasn't, it was like garbage. So we just never did it. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of places to hang out. We spent most of our time at the boardwalk on, on Staten Island. The boardwalk where all you could do was walk on boards. That's right. Because there was no, there's nothing. It's literally just a boardwalk. Yeah, no, I, we were talking about it a few weeks ago on the show. I remember you yeah. specifically mentioning how little there was to do on that boardwalk. <laughs> we found we made our own fun. Yes, Taco uh, Bell, Crave, or not Taco Bell, White Castle, Crave, Castle. White Castle. Yes, that's right, Crave Case. That was the that was a post boardwalk uh, meal. Again, also very cheap, almost as cheap as the pool hall. <laughs> <laughs> but good times. Uh, Subway sandwich. Okay, so we have another Twitter thread here. Oh, good. You ready for a story? I'm sure. Okay. While I worked at Subway in my early 20s, I made many questionable sandwiches. But there's one I will never forget. I think about the sandwich at least once a week. It haunts my nightmares. I sincerely worry about the person who ordered it. The early dinnertime shift, 5 to 6 p.m., there were three of us working the line. All 20-somethings because at the time all the, quote, big adults had quit or been fired. Our store was run by kids for about a month. Amazing. A group of high school age kids came in. I served the second girl in the group. She wanted a foot long on white bread. Cool. Double provolone, double American cheese. I can respect that. 
Does she want it toasted? No. Veggies? No. Sauce? Yes. Ranch, please. Now, I'm not denying people who have the taste buds of a toddler the privilege of watching your sandwich come together before your very eyes, behind a curved pane of glass covered with the fingerprints and sneezes of those who came before them. They deserve Subway, too. However, the girl wanted ranch dressing, so I put two lines of ranch on her sandwich. More, please. <laughs> more. <I> put <laughs> two more lines of ranch on oh her sandwich. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> put two more li- lines of ranch on her sandwich. More, please. I put another two lines. Her, visibly annoyed. More than that. I am beginning to become concerned. Oh my god. I add more at this point. The cheese, the only other thing on the bread, is nearly obscured. She's irritated now. Just keep going. Oh my I god. Stare, I stare at her. Refillable squeeze bottle in hand. You want more than this? <laughs> her. Yes. I'll tell you when to stop. Oh boy. I continue. I am in disbelief. After a few more passes with the bottle, the dressing is beginning to run off the sides of the bread. I look up at her. She does this motion, which was very clearly a go ahead, continue. Yeah. My soul exits my body as I continue to squirt ranch dressing onto her sandwich. It's more of an open-faced soup at this point. No! (laughs) I look up at her, expecting her to tell me to stop. She doesn't. She wants more. Her friends are looking over like, what are you going to do? I feel like that waiter in the cartoons who is never told when as he grates fresh parmesan onto someone's pasta. The plate is just a mound of grated cheese. The table is covered in cheese. The room fills with cheese. (laughs) But instead, my room is filled with ranch dressing. Oh my god. That is disgusting. Not done. No. Dear reader, I ran out. (laughs) And she says, do you have another bottle? (laughs) I need to know if she ate it. Uh, The story continues. People with normal human-style sandwiches are passing her in the line. Her friends are already paying her sitting down. I don't look at her anymore. I look at my manager standing beside me. He shrugs. We are broken people. (laughs) I guess use the other bottle. (laughs) I must have eventually satisfied her demands for ranch dressing. I weakly asked if she would like salt or pepper. She said no. I don't know how I wrapped that thing. I must have blacked out. I just remember how wet it was. Oh. <laughs> she paid for that monstrosity and then sat down and ate with her friends, seemingly without no. incident. I don't know how. No. I will oh, never no, understand no. how. If I think of it too long, my mind will collapse in on itself, imagining the eldritch horror of the worst sandwich I ever made. Postscript, I forgot to add, she did this without a trace of irony on her face. She didn't crack a smile. She didn't laugh like, I know this seems crazy. She was stone-faced, serious, dead ass. She's probably a fucking billionaire. Right? <laughs> She's probably what? A billionaire. Uh, <laughs> billionaire like or serial killer or both, I don't psycho know. Psycho genius. Yeah, she, she drowns her victims in ranch vats. <laughs> I'm just picturing, I'm just picturing what's called, I'm picturing Saw, but all of the traps are just, you end up drowning in it. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Like a dunk tank, but you, your arms are tied. Uh, this is terrible. I, it's absolutely disgusting. There's so much wrong with that. Uh, one, I just, 
something like ranch is too it's too much flavor to be going more than the two squirts. That's one. Two. Well, hang during on. that entire story, is, is, all the, I th- is the hang on a second. Is the ranch yeah. too much flavor or too little? Because don't get me wrong. If you make a ranch dressing, you make your own for like a yeah. ranch dip. It can be very flavorful. Yeah. But ranch dressing that like wishbone ranch dressing. Sure. It's just a half step or two above mayo. Which somehow makes it worse that it's yeah. like that, right? My point is, yeah. it's, and that's what they're using here. So that's I'm going to say too little flavor. Too little flavor? Okay. Either way, it's disgusting. But really, the most, it's funny because out of, like, in that, in that horrendous story of disgusting things, the worst part of it is still the Subway bread. <laughs> it's so, like, I've, years ago when I would commute to the city from Staten Island uh, for work, or I think it was for work at the time. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Many, it was years after I had started doing it because it was close to the. It was close to when I moved away and didn't have mm-hmm. to do it. And a subway opened up in the ferry terminal, and I had to smell that horror every day at like seven a.m. Oh. And that bread, I mean, it'll. It the smell alone will kill you. <laughs> it's horrible. It's the. It's not. It's disgusting. It's, so I it's, know they, I it know they, smells sugary sweet like this beer tastes. It's the sugar, right? That there's too much sugar in the bread mm-hmm. for it to be really. I, I know that they've been sued over whether or not they can call it bread because right. there's a question. Now, I will say, I think they won that one. Mm-hmm. I think it is barely bread. <laughs> it's bread. It's bread in the way that like it's bread adjacent. It's it's. It's on the line between bread and bread adjacent, right? Yeah. As opposed to that lawsuit that they lost about whether their tuna was tuna. <laughs> Which we talked about on the show like two months ago. That's right. That's right. Oh my so goodness. It's, I, and, and I will say, I worked at Quiznos when I was in high school. The food was real. Like, oh, with, it, the, with the, the marmots? Is that what, not what their mascot was? <laughs> what a random, what a friend, random animal to conjure up out of nowhere marmots. <laughs> That's what it was, yeah, wasn't it? Person knows what a marmot We've got is. We got the but subs. The, it was like the. It was the. We I'm got, pretty sure it was we, rats. We, we liked the moon. No, it wasn't. It was a marmot. Sure? Yeah, because it was from the like the we like the moon thing from like Newgrounds back or whatever the hell it was. Ebaum's world. Quiznos. Wow. Um, regardless, well, the Quiznos was... rats make me hungry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure they're rats. Um, the uh, the bread was real. The meat, now sure, it's deli meat, but it, the point is it was real meat. It was like fucking boar's head meat. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a real thing. Same thing with the cheese. The tuna came out of a can. It was tuna. It was like an identifiable brand of tuna. <laughs> and when you walked I, into it, it smelled like a sub shop, not like Subway. Yeah. Yeah. That's better. Also, I saw someone complaining online a couple of weeks ago about Quiznos, like, how, like... How didn't anyone get salmonella from the chicken because they just threw it in some warm water and then toasted it under the grill for 45 seconds? Sure. Do people not realize that that chicken comes pre-cooked? Yeah. It's also not really chicken, right? No, it was. That's my point. All the food was real. I'm now, was it the highest quality chicken? Almost certainly not. But the point is, it was real chicken. Yeah. Yeah, it's just good. But, yeah. like, do people not realize that, like, dilly meats and, like, chicken like that, they cook it, then you refrigerate it, and then you reheat it. Yeah. It's not raw chicken that was being cooked in a hundred degree 
juices. And the warm bath. And the, <laughs> yeah, it's being flavored by the warm bath and reheated by the. Oh, oven. I don't like that. I don't like that for us at all. <laughs> and yet, that's what accurately was happening. And you were the one who used the phrase "warm bath," not me. <laughs> so I just carried. You passed me the baton, so and I just carried so it across the finish line. Way worse when you. I know because when I said it, you were forced to reckon with what you had conjured that's into true. the world. That's yeah. All right, I made my bed. That's fine. My point um, is, people, in case you had any fears, the chicken was cooked ahead of time. You're just reheating it. It's not raw chicken. It yeah, was just cold chicken. It's definitely safe to say the Quiznos is uh, is definitely above Subway. Uh, yes. However, both. Uh, I mean. But both of them are just not okay. <laughs> no, I, I never had any compunction eating there. I worked there all that time. I ate the food. Never felt unsafe about it at all. I watched everything that went behind the scenes. It, that, that, now, maybe other stores are different, but mine was yeah. fine. Mine was I a legit think a Jersey operation. Mike's is the lowest I'll go today. You do seem to like Jersey Mike's. Mike, just because it's around the corner from your house. but No, it's good. It's, it's good. It's like, but the, again, they, even their bread is... It's too sweet. I don't like bread. It shouldn't be that sweet. It's not a dessert. Like it's, and that, and that was the point I was making about Quiznos. Is like the bread wasn't sweet. It was bread. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Man, I I'm haunted by that Warm ranch bath. soup nightmare for uh. the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, what's going on with the casting for The Witcher Three? Okay. So I have a couple of news items from the last couple of weeks. Um, they're a little bit out of date now. Hopefully there was no new news because I didn't bother looking for any new news after I'd saved these things. So the Witcher casts four actors in season three roles, including Hugh Skinner. This was from April actually. Um, so they announced that the fantasy drama has added Robbie Amell, Menger Zhang. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Uh, she was the sister in Shang-Chi. Okay. Uh, Hugh Skinner from Fleabag. And Christelle Elwin from Half Bad to the cast. Amel will play Galatin, a born fighter. He leads an army of guerrilla squire tile fighting on behalf of Nilfgar. Unafraid to okay. speak his truth, Galatin's loyalty to his people ultimately leads him to a collision course with Francesca over power. Now, being that, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later in consumption, I'm very nearly done with the series because I'm listening to the final book in the series. That is not a character who exists in the books. I'm Gonna guess though he's probably drawing on a collection of characters that were in the books. Mm. Um, okay. Jang will play. So, sorry, what's that? I, I said okay. I'm kind of curious. Also, maybe uh, do we know if like maybe characters from games overlap with the books entirely? It, it's possible. I actually have very little insight into what the games are about. I'm pretty sure it's all considered canon, but I think the games take place kind of in the interstitials between some of the books. Um, considering the first two books happen kind of the way the first season of the show did, where it's like points yeah. in time in Geralt's mm. story. Uh, I'm guessing it's supposed to be in the interstitials between all of that, because from the third book on, it's all pretty chronological. So gotcha. there isn't a ton of... Now, in like, between like the second... Not between the second and the third. Between like the third and the fourth book, there was a little bit of a time jump. But beyond that, it's all pretty... like a month here, a year there. Like it's gotcha. not very far as far as time jumps. You're following along pretty closely to the story with very little gaps at that point. Okay. Uh, Jang will play Milva, a human adopted by the dryads of Brooklawn forest. Milva is a fierce and talented huntress. 
Exact archery skills coupled with a stone-cold aptitude for survival make her a formidable adversary in the Unforgiving Continent. Those that cross her do so at their peril. Now, that character is pulled directly from the book. She is a very cool. important character. She joins up with uh, Geralt's crew that's been going on for... And at this point, I don't remember, since I've listened to all the books in close succession, it's all kind of bleeding together, the timeline mm-hmm. exactly, but let's call it about book six, I want to say. She joins up... I had mentioned, I think, the last time we recorded that I really enjoyed the crew that Geralt's built. Yeah. That's been traveling along, and she's been a, a mainstay of that crew for quite some time, so... Nice. Uh, fairly important character. Um, Hugh Skinner is Prince Radovid, a, quote, royal playboy and younger brother to King Vizimir. Radovid finds himself suddenly a man on the inside of the Radonian intelligence. With his good looks and often drunken charm, Radovid surprises with how incisive he can be in matters of politics, but it's all games until someone gets hurt. Now, that's a character I want to f- say they mentioned by name, like, once in the books. The kings and queens, they all mention here and there only some of them have a substantial amount of time on the page most of them are talked about rather than Mm. talked to um but for all intents and purposes this is a slight spoiler but vision gets assassinated dykstra basically runs radonia (laughs) they never talk about they never talk about the prince so (laughs) um all right Elwyn is Missile, a member of the Rats, a gang of misfit teenagers who steal from the rich and give to themselves, and sometimes to the poor. She is street street. Sorry, that can't be. That's this isn't a normal phrase. She is street hard, suspicious of everyone. I like that. (laughs) Until a chance that will change everything. Yeah, no, street smart. I think is what they're going for, but they failed. Um, (laughs) Now, Missile is also a hard uh, as a rock. Missile and the Rats are also fairly important book characters. Siri uh, joins up with the Rats, which is a, like they said, kind of a Robin Hood-esque group of people, except they don't do a ton of redistributing the wealth to the poor. They do it more to buy favors than anything, so not quite as noble as Robin Hood, but distant cousins to that sort of idea. Okay. Um, They join returning stars, Henry Cavill, etc., etc., so on and so forth. Now, there's Netflix description for the new season. As monarchs, mages, and beasts of the continent compete to capture her, Geralt takes Ciri of Sintra into hiding, determined to protect his newly reunited family against those who threaten to destroy it. Trusted with Ciri's magical training, Yennefer leads them to the prote- protected fortress of Aratuza, where she hopes to f- discover more about the girls' untapped powers. Instead, they discover they've landed in a battlefield of political corruption, dark magic, and treachery. They must fight back, but everything on the line... Of, or sorry, put everything on the line or risk losing each other forever. Now that very closely mirrors the storyline of book four in the series. Very good book because that one really dives deeply into the political machinations of which we've seen only very little bit of the mages and the assorted king. That's, that's pretty cool. Cause I've been like, I also appreciate the way they've been doing it. They've been making it feel so shady and that like nobody, like everything is happening by their hand. And yes. I'm really curious to see like the uh, like the unveiling of what's actually going on. Uh, yeah, especially if that's what this you're gonna... focuses on that's really sweet. Yeah, um, and I will say that from the show in the first two seasons, I was very confused by the machinations of the kings because I feel like they've spent almost no time doing it. And so when they show mm-hmm. a king who was like in one episode the, the previous season, it's like I vaguely remember that person exists. Yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. what they're after. The whole Dykstra thing is like. 
very central to what's going on in the books and in the show, like he's been on screen three times. And it's like, mm. I just flat out don't remember what's going on with you, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> in, like in the show. Um, yeah. But we've seen obviously much more of what the mages are up to, whether yeah. or not we fully understand what they're going up to. At least it feels like there's been kind of a thread that's been going through that storyline. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see that not everything has been as it seems. And people who we maybe liked and respected uh, shouldn't be. And those who we disliked maybe didn't get a fair shake at the time. So now I will say that for the show purposes, they have combined some of the characters mm-hmm. that were in the books into like, because there's at some point after the events of book four, there's this group called, they call it the Lodge. It's like 10 witches who join up together with, the sole intent and purposes of being apolitical and preserving magic itself. Mm. And like those characters, only like half of them have been in the show so far. And a couple of the characters very obviously have filtered into some of those individual characters. That's so I I always found it fascinating. Like, I don't know that there's a reason that there is a, an Oscar category for an adapted screen right like there is something really fascinating to me about turning a story from one medium into the other and really owning it like and like it it still manages in most and you know in the strong cases it still does enough that you get the whole picture now you don't maybe you don't get to like sit with a character and their ideals for a long stretch of time like you would in a book but i personally am not that I like to flesh that out. I like to think about what they're thinking versus being told. Like I like yeah. I I and that's how we've talked about this. Like I that's why movies, film, like that is my preferred medium. Like yeah. I like the way stories are told in that style. But like I I do think that it's really cool because like that's like aside from like writing a, a story from scratch for screen, like that is a real skill. Like to turn something from this lengthy work of art into another version that still captures all of the essence yet tells the story in, a, in maybe a slightly different way to make it work on the screen. That it's yeah, just fascinating. I, I still think the gold standard is the Lord of the Rings series because they, it's not a perfect adaptation as far as one-to-one literal representation <clears throat> of what was on page to what's on screen, but they so excellently and perfectly nail what do we have to trim? What do we have to combine? What can we embellish upon Right. in a way that, totally and lovingly respects the source material while also still being its own thing. Yeah. Also, yeah, you is, gotta, I feel like you have to do that. You also have to really be a fan, right? You have well, to listen, appreciate the thing. One of the true achievements of cinema, one of my favorite things to watch in my favorite movie is the Battle of Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. The Battle of Helm's Deep, and the page is like three pages long. <laughs> and it's like an hour long on screen. <laughs> right, right. So... That is one of those times where it's like, we didn't cut things down here. We actually took this thing and we went, whoa, here it is. It's huge, yeah. important, like, set piece now. And it's like, there's still a tremendous amount of storytelling and character development in that it's not just a big kick-ass action scene, which it is that, mm-hmm. but it also has the ability to tell story from multiple perspectives and develop multiple important characters in, an, like, a rich ensemble. So, as my ultimate respect. As far as The Witcher goes, now having read all the books, it's interesting. There are some things that they really totally nail one-to-one, whether it be person, place, thing. There have been some things that they've totally changed. Mm -hmm. And there's been a bunch of other things 
where they combined a character here, or they said, okay, we have these group of characters and we have these group of plot points and we have this group of uh, like personification, like character traits. Let's just throw them into a bag, shake it up and roll it out on the table and see what happens. For instance, I'll give this one because it's not like a huge spoiler. If you remember at the end of season one, Yennefer reaches for fire magic to win at the Battle of Sodden. She loses her power. That doesn't happen to her at all. She is the deciding factor in the winning of the Battle of Sodden. She does go missing, and Geralt thinks she's dead for a while. Ultimately, obviously, they reconnect, and he finds out that she's alive. And he goes, gooseberries. (laughs) And lilac. Don't forget the lilac. Um, But Siri. You can't have one without the... Uh. (laughs) Siri is actually the one who reaches for the fire magic and loses her ability to do magic in a totally separate situation that has nothing to do with that. So that's just the most obvious of the many different iterations of this thing happened in the book to an an important character. And we either decided to take that and add it to something else because we don't need to have two characters for this, that one can suffice. But there are other things where like, eh, that's not the most interesting way to tell that version of the story. Let's just put it over there instead. Sure. Uh, Side note. Have you ever had a gooseberry? No, although I did have cranberry elderberry juice the other day. Oh, that sounds like a character name. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm just saying, you know, there's, everyone knows cran raz and cran palm sure. and cran blue yeah. and cran grape, cran apple. I've never seen cran elderberry before, and there it was. Now, <laughs> smell of elderberries. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, no, gooseberry. Uh, I ended up with a bunch of them from a CSA that we had like a couple of years ago, and it was a weird ass fruit vegetable. Side note to your side note. Do you want some gagoots? Uh what are the odds that I have gagoots in my fridge right now? <laughs> oh, I was gonna I was gonna bring you some. Did your dad already beat us to it? Because my, my Yeah, he out. made us he made us a nice gagoot soup um the other day. Okay. But if you have I mean if you have it, I'm I I'll never say no. I have fresh gagoots. We're going to have entirely too much. They planted way yeah. too much. And it's yeah, sure. Bring it, bring it on. So. I'll, I'll happily make a soup out of that. Okay. Nice. Appreciate it. Bring it to you tomorrow. Man, um, got some so, extra. Oh, this is great. What a day. Gagoots <laughs> and hailstorm. Is, is, it, is, that it? is that what we're seeing? Yes. Nice. Um, sorry. An addendum to the story we just read uh, from July 4th, which is a weird day. Uh, Radonian Intelligence, which is a reference, obviously, to The Witcher, as we already just discussed, um, which is also a website that tracks things to do with the show and books, I guess. Probably mostly the show. Finished, been written like a while ago. More casting news. Ryan Hayes is going to play Arto Arto Terranova, who is a fairly important mage. Um, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, He was in Carnival Row, Emerald City, uh, as well as the upcoming Netflix series Bodies. Mikalina Olzanska as a sorceress. She doesn't have a name so far, as we can tell, but people have been able to pick out that she is going to be a sorceress because of the people she's been shooting alongside. Of. Cool. Um, where are the rest of these people? Kate Winter as Putney. I don't know who that is. Martin Ellis as Barker. I don't know who that is. Um, we next we have <laughs> Harvey Quinn, not to be confused with Harley whose role we don't know, but is almost certainly a mage, as he's been involved in scenes with a large group of mages. Same goes for Poppy Almond. And that's all they have for casting news. I was just going to ask, 
do we know when it's coming out? And I searched for it, and it's the immediate thing that pops up is Witcher, Witcher Season 3 holds production as Henry Cavill test positive for COVID. Look, like, Jesus. <laughs> that was a couple of months ago, though, wasn't it? Uh, it says one day ago. Oh, I thought it was a while ago. But it's expected sometime next year. Cool. Nice. I love Be the Witcher. I burned through that second season. I just, I also burned through the first one and then I watched it again. I, it's just a fun, I don't know what it is. It's, it's got a, it's just got this essence. I, I really enjoy watching it. It's intriguing. It's so, I feel like it's so well structured. Like it does like a, an interesting world building thing that doesn't necessarily rival, but, um, uh, it has a similar feel to like like the John Wick world building where like that John Wick's world building as we've talked about in the past is perfect. And this is like, it's almost, it, it's like that in another way in the fantasy realm, like where they still manage to pull it off. And it's just, it doesn't feel cheesy or cheap. It feels, it feels deep. And I think that's why I like it so much. It's like, it feels like there's so much, well, I don't know what it is. Like, it feels like there's a lot of underlying reasons for everything that happens. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, and that's been a good job by the showrunner for including picking out what bits to include and which ones not, which ones to explicitly versus implicitly show. Um, And that's been an inspiration I think they took from the books in which, starting in book three or book four, they end every chapter with one or two snippets from some lore that exists within the text, within the lore itself, where it'll be like, They'll finish a chapter and it'll be something from like an encyclopedia or a history written by some character that exists within the world. Most of those things, some of those things were ancient, happened before the events. Some of these things, you know, very clearly are written after the events of everything that have gone on. And uh, that's something that I think they took inspiration from with Dune. Frank Herbert did that. He led off his chapters with a snippet from this, that, or the other thing from Dune. It feels like in The Witcher, it feels like a marrying between the some of the lore stuff you find and uh come across in dragon age like married to the dune stuff um mm. because it's, it's cool sometimes it's like got almost nothing to do with what's going on it's just here's a lore and then sometimes sure. it's it'll it'll kind of wrap up what you just saw in the chapter and sometimes it's a hint at what's to come in the next chapter afterwards yeah. i appreciate that as it, it feels like it's a lived in world with that and i think they've done a good job of putting that on the screen in the show as well that's that's awesome. I it's funny. I I like have like, these <laughs> memories of playing Skyrim back in the day, like when the original, and thinking like, man, like this world is so gigantic and lived in. Yet in the RPG element of it, I feel very out of place because I don't know anything about it, and that that seems so weird. But like from in that like in the video game medium, but like on within the movie. When you tell them the story, the character that you're following, who like you know, you kind of take on that character as your avatar, like as you watch a movie like that. But like they know, they have the context. Whereas like in the game, I don't know, you can decide whether or not your character has the context, and it's like it can feel so like you can feel so lost in it. I remember I picked up a book off a random bookshelf in a random house, and I read like 15 pages of it, and I was like, how much of this shit is in the game? <laughs> <laughs> just, there's too much. It's too much. It's overwhelming. <laughs> it can be sometimes. Uh, it's cool. It's just pretty sweet. Uh, we've got a lot to get through with Comic-Con and the MCU and all that, but tell me about the Screws Brawl. Because I pulled up the story uh, <laughs> and of which I, I love how co- I love how that generic phrase allowed yeah. you to find the specific story I'm referencing well, if I may, let me. So you told me that you tell you basically the way the show goes, 
Before we start, Al Al has been in charge of news and nuggets for the most part uh, for the last I don't know eleven months or so, and it is which has been very helpful and I appreciate it. But he tells me he gives me a tagline and I can then ask about them in whatever order I choose, and he tells me the stories and it's great and we talk about it here on the show. Uh, this one I searched the term because I was curious because. In all seriousness, I did not know if you were talking about a cruise or Tom Cruise, which is why I searched for it. <laughs> so I searched for it, and I am. This headline pops up, and I, I would like to take this if you don't mind. Okay. Just please this, do. this, the headline says Chaotic 60 person cruise ship brawl breaks out due to jealousy caused by alleged passenger threesome. <laughs> not to be outdone. With line further down in the article, it was the last night, so I guess they just wanted to go out with a bang. One passenger tweeted. This <laughs> <laughs> is perfect. I don't need any more context. I need nothing else. No, there is one additional bit of context. <laughs> what do you got? Just to expand on 60-person brawl. Sure. It was a 60-person brawl over a threesome. Right. Three people. So you have to imagine, like, comedy movie style, somebody got pushed into somebody else, which got pushed into somebody else, which caused yeah, some sort of... Yeah, but they quoted the fight at Lessing over an hour. That's... Okay. Okay. Threesome, right? But what if one of them is, like, the wife of somebody that has many wives? Well, so... And that breaks well, <laughs> Shouldn't have many wives, obviously. <laughs> Not even in Utah. Second of all, that's not where the let, cruise was. No, let's no, let's just try the math here, right? Sure. It's a threesome. A threesome yep. initiating a brawl. Yeah, twenty indicate- person, twenty people on each side. Right. <laughs> that's one way you can look at it, but I want to be. I want to drill down even a little further. On sure. This. At its most basic, one would think that a threesome initiating a brawl would have to do with a fourth person not having been invited to said threesome. Okay. Because that's the gist of what the story is getting at is... Or there 60 is a- people. <laughs> no, so... Aww. <laughs> the, the, the gist of this was, from what I recall from reading the story a few weeks ago, there was a threesome in which a person had sex with two other people, but that person also was in a relationship and that person was on the ship with them. And found out about the threesome that they were not invited to and or didn't want the person to be participating in. But let's say all three of the people who were in the threesome had a significant other. That's still only six people. Yeah. I would love to know how six got to 60. And lasted for over an hour because... First of all, (laughs) Anthony, have you ever been in a fight? Like an actual fist fight? I've ended them. I've not been in them. Okay. Uh, an actual fist fight. It's really between... weirdly not difficult to end one. It's like you're being stupid. <laughs> All of you. Sometimes, sometimes that works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sure. Um, I would actual... just like to point out that in this article, if you scroll down further, Will Smith is slapping Chris Rock in the still frame. But go on. Of course, <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> an actual fist fight between not professional fighters, not trained boxers or MMA fighters. An actual fist fight. Tends not to last more than like 90 seconds unless yeah. one person has decided they're going to kill the other person, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes even that'll end in 90 seconds. But the point is, a, a fight does not go on for 10 minutes. Do you know how exhausting it is? I, I wrestled in high school. I was in pretty good shape. I was never that great of a wrestler because I was never capable of achieving true wrestling shape. Stamina was just not my thing. 
It was built for like speed and power, not endurance. Like because I was more of a football player than I was of a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And a wrestling match was six minutes long. It was three two-minute periods. And at the end of the first two minutes, you're sucking wind. And after the end of second two periods, second two minutes, you want to die. And then at the end of the third one, you do. So <laughs> at least that was my experience with wrestling. Even in my absolute peak of physical like mm. ability and, and, and endurance during the, the height of my best year of wrestling. How 60 people managed to perpetrate a fight for an hour is baffling to me. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently, I, uh, it happened across like four or five decks of the ship, if you go into the further details of the story. We've now so, covered all the important things that need to be mentioned. We don't need to read the story. We don't have to do no, we, we, this. we don't, but I'm going to read these one, two, three, these four lines, because they're very important, one of which uh, relates very closely to the to your to your point. Uh, another Twitter user tried to find the bright side. On the other hand, it seems like it was a, like a good time was had by all. And isn't that what a cruise is all about? <laughs> uh, the next one, somewhere on that ship lies the most legendary instigator in history. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, to your point, a good 56 of those folks were fighting just to fight. <laughs> yeah. And <then laughs> the last part added by the writer of the article. The scuffle lasted for a whole hour before finally dissipating, so it's safe to say these passengers most definitely rocked the boat. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you have to figure, we're not talking porn and porn stars here. How long did that threesome last? Five, six, ten minutes? (laughs) The fight probably lasted five or six times longer than the sexton. Sure. Sure. By... Where do you find these things? (laughs) Oh, no. This one, I did not have to look far. This one took the internet by storm. I'm surprised you didn't even see it. Like, I heard it I don't look for any sort of news. No, I wasn't. That's my point. I wasn't looking. It was retweeted by many people on my timeline across multiple days. I heard it on multiple different podcasts that are in no way, shape, or form related to each other. This took the internet by storm, this story. Gotcha. That's ridiculous. All right. Now it's time to get into the real meat and potatoes of news and nuggets, which is San Diego Comic Con. Correct. And I would like to att- uh, attack this uh, with, with in two segments. First, I took it upon myself to watch every trailer that was re- released, okay. um, regardless if it was TV or or movie. And now, granted, I only looked at a couple sources, and they seems to be the whole list. If there was any I missed, whatever. I texted you about four specifically, and those were all on there. So okay, that's, so that's so that's that's a good start. But uh, there's a lot. So here's what I did: I annotated every one that I watched with a small thing about it to see if there's any more that we need to say or discuss. And then I figured from there we can go into all the MCU release dates and whatnot because there's yeah, a I lot figured the there. MCU would be separate. Hall H, fucking yeah. This was the biggest one they've done in a few years. Yeah. So I'm gonna start going through these from the beginning and we can talk it pause me along the way if there's any more that you want to t- chat about but uh these are all the trailers that i watched from Com- or that i uh, first coming to peacock is the end is not with the bill not a science guy which i just thought was just a great concept and i actually really want to watch it though i will not be subscribing to peacock um ever you know i got to see i think i might actually get access to Peacock with my DirecTV subscription. Oh, okay. I have to double check. 
I saw, I saw something about that like a week ago, and I keep forgetting to look into whether I actually have access. Because I know I used to not. I think they maybe recently cut a deal that allowed it. I'm not sure. I have to, I have to double check. Sure. Um, okay. So The End is Nigh is, uh, I think it's like a limited series. I believe they said it was six episodes, something along those lines, where Bill Nye explores potential apocalyptic events <laughs> and what could be done. <laughs> And I just thought it could be a fun watch. I feel like it's a, it's it, it reminds me of Bill Nye the Science Guy from when we were kids, just going into just just this really dark place that we're all in now, <laughs> and making a show about it. So I thought that was kind of fun. I was um, watching Armageddon, totally unrelated. Oh yeah, fantastic. Okay, next on the list, uh, She Hulk, Attorney at Law, new trailer. Which, I heard that there was a new trailer. I did not see the new one. It, okay, well, big big reveal at the end of the trailer, but the. Uh, Ultimately, it definitely felt better than the first trailer. Was the CGI um, better? Moderately. Hmm. Uh, her CGI is still not great. Hmm. Uh, the, uh, what's his face? Mark Ruffalo's CGI is relatively close to what it normally is. So it's probably just because they have like assets and pre-rendered <laughs> like tooling to use for it, right? I but, mean, uh, that, some... that was my hope was that that was just like an alpha build, but that's yeah. not a great idea to do for a trailer. And especially... You can't afford your CGI intensive main character character to look like shit. You just can't. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that was it. Looked. It's interesting. It has its own identity. It seems very sitcommy, which is kind of cool. Like almost like a sitcom courtroom type, like goofy drama. But uh, it, it's, it's it's Marvel meets Law and Order meets like Legally Blonde. Yeah, Dick Wolf. Um, the it's weird. <laughs> it is. It, it's like I don't really know what it's trying to be, but I'm also okay with it being a little bit funky. And I'm curious where it goes because it also I'm I was interested after watching the trailer. I was like, oh, I'll watch. it seems it seems like a good time. Which I mean, I was cool. vaguely interested by the premise after the first trailer. Yeah, um, just because like it does seem like it's going to tackle a wildly different style of show. Yeah, than anything else we've seen, or like just flat out topic. But the the big uproar came in the final sequence of the trailer of her, I believe, on a rooftop and Daredevil in yellow outfit jump flipping over her and sliding into like, you know, superhero pose. So, so they're really pouring him out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I, it was really cool to see the daredevil yellow outfit. I thought that was awesome. And also I'm, I'm all for more daredevil um, to redeem what they like the train wreck that became the Netflix series of. Yeah. Well, the defenders, the daredevil series itself. Daredevil was fine. Both, yeah. Both daredevil was great. Is the rest, but it like, it really, the defenders really tainted it. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is why they brought him back and none of the rest of them, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Um, looking forward to that. Shazam two. I saw that trailer. Fine. Like uh, Shazam was fun. I enjoyed Shazam. Shazam two seems like it's okay. I just, I'm so disconnected from that DC universe. Like, I don't want any more in it. Well, it seems like they've made extreme efforts to keep that movie separate from. Except they, re- yeah, they made references to all of the other characters from the Justice League, but like. Sure, but the point is, I, like, the gist of everything that the way the first movie was marketed and then was delivered and this movie is being marketed feels like. It could stand alone. Those. It feels like those Netflix shows, which were technically canonically part of the MCU, mm-hmm. but 
would occasionally reference how there was a guy just with had an arm's armor. distance. <laughs> and that's what this movie yeah. has been doing. And so if they want to keep doing that, like, hey, listen, we can't legally not acknowledge that that exists, mm-hmm. but we also aren't forced to incorporate it. Like, okay, go do your thing then. Yeah. Ultimately, I'll grant you, I don't really care about the property. Right. If it's not, if it's on its own, but the movie was. It was fun. fun. And it was a this fun one movie. Looks and like I, it could be fun too. I'd like, like to so. watch it. I just like don't, I'm not like. In a in a in I'm my not current state, yeah, no. and like in my current state, like of life, I it's got like I really have to make going to the movies work. So like, there's a good chance that I don't make this work, and then I'll see it when it comes to HBO Max, which yeah, is fine. Which is HBO fine. Max yeah. is the shit. Uh, <laughs> next up, Black Adam. I it it I think it looks bad. I, don't I didn't know. get to this trailer. Okay, I I don't care at all. Well. Considering you just said you don't care a ton about Shazam, ultimately those two things will lead to something shared between them. So, <laughs> well, those characters have a shared history, right? So, I have no idea. I don't know anything about either of them. I don't either, other than that the fact that the two of them are like Great. associated in whatever way. Awesome. Well, it looks cheesy and weird, and I'm not. It's there's nothing going on in this trailer to make me go. Oh, I can't wait to see that. So that's also going to be a wait for HBO Max type of situation. Okay. I'm thinking. Unless I find also, myself with a, a a free day and somebody wants to go to the movies. Is that the I only movie that's... In. Is that the only DC movie just sitting longer than the Flash Flashpoint movie is? I don't know. I mean, at this point... I'm pretty sure they announced people, that before it. People joke about that, but it wasn't like... Isn't like the next Aquaman like the longest awaited one? I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway... I know Black I think Black on Adam was one of the first years, ones that was announced, wasn't it? It may have been. No, to be fair. I've definitely known of it for a long time. To, to be fair to them, when they announced it, they said right off the bat, The Rock's schedule is super busy. This movie is going to take a few years. Like, yeah. right off the bat, they were like, this is not coming out next year. Like, this is coming out down the line. Yeah. So, like, the fact that it's taken so long was at least mostly planned, but... Mm-hmm. It's still kind of crazy that they announced it and it took them like six years to make it. Anyway, doesn't look great. Doesn't really see like I, nothing about the story seemed compelling to me or memorable. So, I, you know, I'll I'll watch a superhero movie. Great. I'll watch it at some point. But I'm like I said, similar to Shazam, not like itching to go see it. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, Wakanda Forever is one of the most moving trailers that I have seen in a very long time. And I don't know who chose the music or orchestrated, like, or edited that trailer, but it is heavy. And it's good. Yeah, peop- I, I saw a hue and cry on the internet of people specifically referencing a specific moment of a trailer as being one of the emotional moments of their life in recent times. It's like... <laughs> How can everyone have such a collective emotional response to a minute and 30 into a trailer? The music. Sure. Uh, and also the uh, fact that Chadwick Boseman died. And so like, that's yes. obviously being But they're showing a picture of Chadwick Boseman on a wall as a memorial. And then they're showing a picture of Chadwick Boseman on a wall as a memorial while playing a song that is really resonating. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it was, I was blown away by the trailer. Yeah, it no, just, it was a great trailer. It, it was, so I'm, uh, that that's that's soon and i'm really excited to see i also like even if it didn't go well even if it's not like the, a, a great movie like just the entire idea behind it like ryan cooler didn't know 
that Chadwick Boseman was sick, right? So he had these intentions of where it would go and had to start over. Well, I have to imagine he knew he was sick. No, he he talks about it. Does he? <laughs> yeah. Or in or like paraphrased interviews. So I don't know. Okay. I haven't actually watched that. Well, I know that the speaking. I know that the public didn't know he was sick. Yeah. But I thought it, I thought, and I guess maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought it was mm-hmm. documented that he was going through such agony making that movie being in shape for making that movie. So I just assumed Ryan Coogler knew like yeah. I, I assumed it was close to the vest. I'm, I, I didn't think the whole crew knew because if the whole crew knew it would have gotten out, but I assumed like, I don't know, Kevin Feige and Ryan Coogler knew like, you know what I mean? From, like, if, from, if no one else from the stories that I read they, that uh, he did not. And okay. And the writing basically had to be redone for, because the intent there was like clear intentions for what to do with the character that had to be. Yeah. They, they entirely. were not ready for that character to, to exit. Yeah, so that was... That character that was, was clearly going to be... I thought that character was clearly going to be set as one of the centerpieces. Yeah, like a pillar, Alongside right, of, like, Doctor of... Strange and... Yeah. Spider-Man? Spider-Man, like, I, probably. You know, like... Yeah, that was... that. It's intense. I'm really... And Captain Marvel, probably. Like the, those were going to be your core four going forward. I I, I'm so curious how they handle it with Grace, and it seems like they're going to pull it off, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, I am Groot. Is this adorable, like, I don't know, six-episode miniseries type thing? I didn't see anything about that, but I, I remember them... I think they announced that a while back that they were going to do a Groot-centric thing, right? Yeah, it looks so I, I forgot very cute. That. We'll be watching that with Elio. Uh, John Wick... Well, hang on a second. So one, one big thing for the, the Wakanda one, right? Yeah, that yeah. The, that's what they were announcing the introduction of Namor the Submariner, right? Which is mm-hmm. apparently a fairly important character that I know nothing about other than that he exists, and he's a cooler Aquaman. Same. A cooler Same. Aquaman up until the moment Jason Momoa was cast. Uh, that's fair. Like, historically fair. speaking. <laughs> uh, John Wick 4, which um, really, aside from, you know, being pumped for more John Wick and the trailer being, you know, interesting and cool and looking forward to seeing that, where they that go. That trailer was a huge nothing burger. I have no idea where the story goes. Yeah, I, I don't care. It, it just, don't it, care. you know, it was, it, was, cool it, was, it was just John Wick theme number four. That was it. Yeah. And no, I didn't want to say nothing burger as an insult. I'm just saying, truly, you can glean nothing from that trailer no. other than that Keanu Reeves will continue to kick ass. And that's and all you ready. need to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the one thing that really infuriated me is this movie called John Wick. Oh, I'm assuming it's John Wick Chapter 4, or considering we had John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2, John yeah. Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, uh-huh. I assume this was Chapter 4. Yeah, it doesn't say that at the end, it just says John Wick. Well, it's possible they didn't subtitle it yet. Okay. Maybe they were planning on giving it a Chapter 4 colon something in the way that they did Chapter 3 colon Parabellum. Let's hope so, because I'm, I don't, I'm done with this whole, let's name it the same thing as the other one. Well, it's a, no, but I mean, it's a very clear... It's not a reboot. It's a very clear continuation of the story. So, like, yeah. unless they were planning on going with the John Wick, which is like a thing that's been done in oh other movies, that, I think that maybe that's that's somehow worse. I actually, in this case, would have kind of laughed at it. I usually am frustrated with it the way you are, but in this case, I would kind of laugh at it. But no, the I'm John assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming <laughs> John Wicks. <laughs> John, I'm assuming John, John's Wick. John's Wick. That's <laughs> <one's> <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming it's going to get... It's a three-way that results in a two-hour fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if that was the, the plot, it would kind 
to work out. No, wait. Has there ever been a less sexual movie than the job, like the John Wick series? Like there hasn't been even the slightest hint of sensuality surrounding the main character. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like there have been other characters who have exuded sex appeal, but not John Wick specifically. Yeah, which is fair for a man who's grieving his dead wife and dog and dog. Um. I mean, I'm all for. I don't even like you said. I don't even care. Just, just whenever it's ready, just give it to me. Just, <laughs> hey, you exist. You gave us a tease. I'm surprised they gave us this teaser now, considering it's not going to be out for like a full year. But yeah, whatever. We'll get a full trailer like eight months from now. Who cares? Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves looks silly, and I'm going to watch it. Was that a movie? I saw it like. Didn't there like? Wasn't there like a lot of? Dungeons and Dragons stuff that came out of this weekend. I have no like, idea. This is just the movie, the trailer that I watched. I think like an expansion for the actual like tabletop game, plus cool. like I don't know some sort of video game or animated thing or something. I don't know. Plus an actual movie and there's Hugh Grant in that. I feel like I saw still shot of Hugh Grant. In yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Weird. Yeah, Weird. and uh, so I mean, it's it looks like it's not going to be anything special, but I it, but but fun enough for me to watch. Okay, I didn't see the trailer. I have no idea what it's about. So. Um. And then, of course, the Rings of Power trailer. That, which, uh, that was a good trailer. Yeah, I, uh, I don't. I was just like waiting for it. Now I'm excited for it. Well, I was say, I feel like the, when the last trailer slash teaser whatever came out, like you kind of nothinged it, like didn't love or hate it. You just kind of nothinged it, and mm-hmm. so so this one made you feel something because I, so I, I feel it. like this trailer was more substantial, right? Like, yeah, that was it. Was, it was good. It gave me something uh, to look forward to. It gave me like an idea of how it was going to play out. I'm, I'm. I'm definitely all in September 2nd, and I'll be there uh, looking forward to it. Looks epic. So, um, And then we have Prey slash Predator 5, which I put a note next to you that just says pass. <laughs> uh, I don't care. Uh, I, kind of, I kind of enjoyed... Was it The Predator? I don't know. Probably Predators. <laughs> no, Predators was the... <laughs> Predators was the one with Topher Grace and... Uh, What's his name? The nose. His name I can't. Adrian Brody, that's it. What, how weird is it that I was going to say which one was the one with the nose was what I was about to ask. And, yeah. well, okay. I yeah. feel bad about that. It's it's not nice, but I just could not remember his name. Um, that was Predators. I think The Predator was the one with Yvonne Strahovski and... Oh, okay. Yeah, the, la- the last one was fine. It was Keegan a Michael decent... King. Predator. It was not a good movie, but I kind of had fun watching it's it. Fun. It's fun. This doesn't look fun to me, though. I didn't know that there All was a trailer right. out. I didn't see it. No, nothing about it. I, I had heard don't. that they were doing another one, but I didn't know anything about it. So It's just like one of those things that they keep going back to and making more of. And it's like, but ultimately, like, you don't really have anything to show me. Like, it's well, just a slasher is, film, like, right? Like, that's if, all it if is. They, if they committed to actually expanding it into an actual connected universe of, like, something they were building towards, I might respect it. But they're not doing mm. that. So no, it's hard to get no. on board. They, almost, they, like, keep almost doing it and then not doing yes. the thing. They keep yeah. doing around it. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch that. Um, I might. I mean, like you know, <laughs> late night can't sleep when it's available via some streaming platform. Maybe I'll put it on, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not interested in watching that. Uh, Chucky season two, I guess. Oh, um, didn't know there was a season one. That's the note that I have I, next to that one. No, I knew that they did a show version of it. It was Mark Hamill, wasn't it? Didn't he voice Chucky? Oh, maybe. Maybe. That sounds that sounds plausible. Um, C on Apple TV, which I guess the final episode. It says the final episodes. Oh, 
So we're, that looks, we've already it gotten looks to a point kind of interesting. So I'm I'm interested in watching it. We've already gotten to a point where like a B list Apple TV show is getting tr- the final episodes treatment. Mm-hmm. Like Better Call Saul is getting the better the the final se- right. They're not talking about the final season. It's the final episodes, right? The Walking yeah. Dead is getting the final episodes. Don't. Maybe that's just an AMC just thing. Don't. But <laughs> no, but other other major shows that have gone through long runs get the final episodes. Well, I think See, it might have actually said something that long, like, it might have said like the final chapter or something like that. Like that, it's like no, the, no. it's probably like the last C, season. C doesn't get that treatment. No. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, did you watch it? No, and there, no one else did either. I've never yeah. heard a single person talk about it. That's fair. I don't know anybody that's watched it. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm talking about. I've never read a single person online mention it in the slightest. Yep. That's kind of funny. Well, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm curious about it now. Animal Kingdom got the final episode <laughs> treatment. No one ever watched that show. Uh, next on the list is The Sandman, which apparently is a Neil Gaiman property, which I know there's a bunch of people that like his work. Um, I don't care. It doesn't look that good to me. It looks I confusing. I of it. I know nothing of it. Yeah, so I'm just going to pass right by that one. Um, you folks can let us know if it's worth our time. Uh, Flicks in the six at the spinshoot.com. House of the Dragon. Yes. New trailer. Kick also off. feel nothing about it. No, no. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. For Are you it. ready for it? I, I don't. Oh, I, I will watch it when it is released. I'm not on the edge of my seat. It's probably going to be one of those things where, like, oh, that came out this week. It'll be a few days later, and I'll, then I'll watch it. No, I'm ready to go. Let's do okay. it. That's cool. Uh, the Walking Dead final episodes. They had a teaser for this, which was they did like all of these clips of like the things that are leading up to where we are now. And I was like, oh, man, that's so good. That's so good. Oh, it's getting worse. Oh, it's getting so much worse. And it's like, oh, well, they just they did the whole thing in one in one quick shot. And uh, I they're like leading up to this like big thing with this current garbage person that is like the big bad and it's wait hang on a second not, an actual garbage person no like as in several seasons ago no, no 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 a generic garbage person generic garbage person okay um who's just like not that compelling to me uh it's kind of like we've done this before like very governor-esque like i don't know it's just i'm sorry you just said it's not that compelling and i'm just thinking of this is the end when the power of Christ compels you. Yeah. It? The power of Christ compels you. It's not that compelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm i looking forward to putting the show behind me. But at this point, I'm, it is, I am so... I've watched so much of it that I need to know where it goes. Um, there was a pretty cool... I'm, I'm not a, a Star Trek person in the least, but there was this pretty cool Star Trek Picard I guess, I don't know if it was like a, a tease or whatnot, but just like showing a bunch of characters, um, seems like legacy characters or legacy actors coming back. I don't know anything about that show, but it was like if, a limited ish series, right? So I guess it's like, getting it was, some it was, more and well, meaning like, I, I think it had a very, it had a very planned, it was going to be two or three seasons and that's gotcha. It. So that, that looked like it would have been really cool if I was into Star Trek. So that seemed cool. Yeah. I just never. Got into Star Trek. I don't dislike it. I just like the. I saw the first Chris Pine movie. It was fine. I, I, I like that one. I, the I first actually two had intended. I, I had intended to watch the second one. I just never got to it. That's how. That's what happened with the third one with me. I was like, oh, cool, and then I just it just never happened. Um, I know in the nineties, I was kind of intrigued just being a kid who liked sci fi stuff, and sure, I same. saw 
the one the movie with the Borg in it. I don't remember which one that mm. was. Yeah, I don't that was I, a up a up card centric one. Obviously, at that point, mm-hmm. um, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember which one that one was. But same, I've I seen that watching, movie or two, and I don't remember at all. Like I don't know like what the context was. Yeah. Um, the next one on this list was kind of cool to me. It was Interview with the Vampire, which this sh- like it, it seemed fun. It was a show it seemed interesting enough. I'm not. I don't have enough uh, uh, of knowledge of the like the Anne Rice stuff, uh, but yeah, the, I, don't, I never saw the original movie. The movie uh, I have so, seen. I had started I've watching for that on. I've seen ads for that on FX though. Okay, I, I had started watching the movie a ways back, but I I started like way too late, and it's a long movie, and I I was exhausted. This was like early baby, so like if I had two minutes, I was probably falling asleep. And I started watching the movie and obviously didn't get through it. But I would like to actually watch that because I was really into the movie from what I had seen. I just didn't get to finish it. So maybe we'll pick that up and do the show. Uh, It's Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Oh, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Which which one am I? Am I thinking of Bram Stoker's then? Maybe Bram Stoker's. Yeah, you're thinking of Bram Stoker's. I always confuse the two of them. I never remember which one's which. Do you ever watch Nosferatu? Which one? Like the OG. Oh, no. No. But I know which I know what you're talking about. There was also one with uh what's his face? Willem Dafoe, right? I think. I think I watched that. Yes. That was weird. That's weird. I'll say yes. And then Teen Wolf the movie, which I whatever. I don't I barely watched the trailer. No. (laughs) There was a Teen Wolf movie. Then there was Teen Wolf Two. And then there was the MTV Teen Wolf show. You don't get to now make Teen Wolf the movie. Teen Wolf the should, movie existed 40 years ago. Should this ago. be the Teen Wolf? Yes. <laughs> teen, teen Wolves? <laughs> Teens Wolf? <laughs> yes! That one, I will sign up for that one. Teens Wolf. <laughs> and that's Spider's it. Man. <laughs> that's a Spider's Man. That's it for all of the trailers that I watched. Um, <laughs> there was some good stuff in there. It's just there's a bunch of yeah, some other stuff that seems like it probably appeals to an audience that's not me, but that's fine. It's great. <laughs> it appeals to an audience. It appeals to an audience. <laughs> now, for the bigger story for us here on the show, on Flix and Six, the, uh, the, the MCU fan base that is the two of us, the, there's a lot of dates going on and a lot of yeah, titles I, being dropped. I, I already purged them all from my mind. Who cares? Oh, I've, got, I've, I've got them all. Okay. We're well, just starting at the beginning because the the most the the closest thing is She Hulk Attorney at Law, which is coming out. Well, first of all, can we before you get to all the dates? Yeah, it's going to be pursuant to that conversation anyway. I want to get out of my way. They announced the kicking off of phases five and six. That's right. And I just want to know when we established that phase four was already ending <laughs> because it feels like phase four just began. Yeah. So phase four then will have been Shang Chi uh, Eternals. The Multiverse of Madness, uh, She-Hulk, Loki, Captain and the Winter Soldier. WandaVision. WandaVision. So we're, I mean, we're already seven. Yeah, no. It just feels like the timeline is so compressed. Plus, fucking Spider-Man, right? And Spider- Did I say that? I thought I said that. I I don't think you did. I probably didn't. Spider-Man, which was amazing. Uh, but the multiverse phase, um. Oh, I guess like the dipping of the toes into the multiverse because they're going to get extremely deeper. Yeah. Oh, and Thor. We didn't, you didn't even say Thor. And Thor. Holy shit. Yeah. So and I guess a lot of stuff. 
I guess technically it's not done yet, right? Because there's still a couple more releases that are considered. There is, yeah. So right? She-Hulk and Wakanda Forever are um, the final films, the final things of Phase Four. I don't know what it is. Like I've seen a lot of people complaining about what this phase has been as like being directionless. I don't want to say it's been directionless. That's not totally fair because remember I said from the beginning when we when we were ending with Endgame and then like kind of the postscript, which was mm-hmm. uh, Far From Home, right? Yeah. Um, it was obvious, I think, that we were going to need a bit of a reset and a calm down and we're going to have to build to something. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that the building to whatever was going to be a little bit more connected than it ended up being. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, uh, I was chatting a little bit with uh, my friend Neil, who you played some Halo with recently. I did. Uh, about this, and it's like, right now it doesn't feel connected. But yeah. They are probably working towards something that it'll make a lot more sense when they get there, and I'm okay with waiting to find that out. Sure, I just like there's a handful of the properties, right? WandaVision and Doctor Strange and Loki. Loki, for certain, all feel deeply connected. Mm-hmm. But everything else feels pretty unconnected. It doesn't even feel like they paired yeah. off as connections with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I guess, it, like if you had felt like. If it felt like there was two or three ideas that were all being connected together, mm-hmm. like these couple things were connected to this thing, these couple things were connected to that thing. Mm-hmm. We don't see how those bigger ideas connect to each other yet. But like, if it felt like they were grouped tightly into little baskets, I would have been okay with it. Yeah. But it feels like there was like that's clearly the Kang multiverse thing is the thrust of what phases four, five, and six are going to be about. In the same way sure. that ultimately leading up to the Thanos thing was what. Phases one, two, and three were connected to. And I would grant you that phase one had the same level of disconnectivity at this that phase four has had. But it's a big difference when you're starting from scratch as opposed to we're handing the baton to we're having a reset and we're starting something new here. Yeah. There needs to be a better cohesion than the phase yeah, one. Yeah, I even will if you say mirror it around it similarly. If you look back at phase one, it they are very disconnected. They, but they did one great thing, which was the Nick Fury teaser connection between all the movies, right? They did that at yes. the end, um, which is kind of throwaway, but in hindsight ends up tying it all together really nicely. There is nothing like that here. There's a couple of post-credit things that tease something else, but it doesn't tease the rest of the universe that they're building upon. So it is yes. weird. But at the same time, they also I could also appreciate not wanting to do exactly what they did before, Maybe there is this bigger picture that it's going to be like, oh my god, they were doing this the whole time, and you go back and see it, and that would be really cool if we could pull that off. So I'm I'm open to letting them have it and seeing where it goes. Yeah, oh, so. and who knows? I didn't watch Thor yet. I, I'd like to. I, I'm very much intending to get to it soon. I just haven't got to it yet. Um, and that might totally dispel what I just said, but mm. I can't imagine it can lift and shoulder that much weight. No, it's it like it. it yeah, it does. It doesn't make it. It feels just. It's a Thor movie. It doesn't feel very connected to anything else. It's just. A- I mean, obviously, it, in some way, shape, or form, it's going to hand off the baton to Guardians sure. Three, but we don't haven't got that movie yet. And it's still mm. down the way. A bit, so. Don't get your hopes up. Uh, no, I just said in some way, shape, or form, like they're in the movie. You know, what I mean, like. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> but uh, no, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's it's good. But there's a, there are some things that I expected that just didn't even remotely happen. Um, so, okay. But uh, the 
Okay, so we've got She-Hulk returning at law August seventeenth, and then Wakanda Forever November eleventh, twenty twenty-two, and that is that will round out Phase Four. That's going to be the end of Phase Four. And what I'm very excited for because I love the Ant Man movies, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania kicks off Phase Five on February seventeenth of twenty twenty. That'll be really exciting. What uh, surprised me was that they came right out and said it: the main bad guy in that's going to be Kang. Yeah, which I'm surprised that's the movie they choose. To make him yeah. villain enough. Like, we haven't seen... We've seen him involved, obviously, with the multiverse, but we haven't heard of him being involved with the quantum realm in any way, shape, or form. Now, right. someone who can obviously transcend time and space, certainly you would think that they could also transcend the, the quantum realm as well. But that didn't seem like an obvious candidate for me, mm-hmm. and certainly someone who could transcend time and space would seem to dramatically overmatch someone who can get big and small. Yeah, well, which is interesting, though, like, you bring that up, of him being the, the main villain, and, like, figuring out, okay, who are the pillars of the next, of this next Avengers saga? Does that mean that Ant-Man and the Wasp are going to be, like, main players if they're already going to have some sort of experience with the main antagonist? Which, which would, I don't... It, it would make sense, because if you look historically back to, like, decades ago, the Avengers, like, first existing on the comic book page dr strange is like the yeah character like like that character is basically supplanted by iron man mm-hmm. in the mcu but now obviously it looks like we're pushing him towards the forefront where he belongs ultimately yeah. in this story and hank pym and then i think eventually scott lang were also just as important i think to the avengers being how brilliant they were supposed to be so yeah. it wouldn't be surprising to me that he would ultimately kind of sort of supplant Iron Man is the mm-hmm. human, the very human grounded person who's kind of maybe strategically leading sure. the Avengers. Although I will say the Scott Lang we've seen so far doesn't seem ball. Yeah, he doesn't seem emotionally equipped to be the leader of anything. Yeah. <laughs> he could be a major contributor because he is so smart, but he doesn't feel like he could be the leader sure, <laughs> of <yeah>. that. <laughs> so uh after that, we get Secret Invasion in spring of 2023, followed by yeah, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three on May 5th. Which I, I mean, I love the Guardians, so I'm really pumped for this. And and we got some major information on that one as well. We have a villain, uh, the Higher Evolutionary, I think it was. Okay, it was the name of the 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 main villain? Some someone who's very concerned with evolution of species artificially dealing with that sort of stuff. And I believe okay. also we were teased that Adam Warlock, uh, which we seemed like at the end of Guardians 2, might be the main villain. Right. Now it seems like he's either in an ambiguous role or possibly even joining up with the Guardians. Did he get a... Didn't that character name get like a nod in Eternals as well? Yes, he was cameoed at the end, but the actor who was Adam in that I don't... Th- wasn't it Harry Styles? And it's not who's right. playing Adam in Guardians 3, I don't think. I have no idea. So, and I think I had heard that there was some speculation as to whether that actually was Adam in the Eternals, even though he's introduced as such. So I wonder if we're going to get some sort of weird identity thing in this. Multiverse. Um, Maybe that too. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't need anything. I don't even care what the story is about. I'm just there for those characters being together on screen. Yeah, it's so good. They're so good. 
Uh, we have Echo in the summer of 2023, which I don't know what that is. I saw s- something about that. Is that the one that's the character from Hawkeye that's getting their own show, I think, and that's it? Uh, it Maria Lopez or something like that? Is okay. that a character in Hawkeye? You watch it. I still didn't watch it. Um, I guess that makes sense. Uh, Loki, and maybe one of the things I'm most excited for, uh, Loki Season 2 in summer of 2020. I was a little disappointed to hear that Michael Waldron is no longer the showrunner. Hmm. Uh, he was the one who was a showrunner for season one. He also is was the one who wrote the screenplay for the movie we're doing today. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, we have the Marvels on July 28th, 2023. I think I missed that entirely, but okay. I don't know. Yeah. And then... Uh, is that a movie or a show? That's a movie, right? That's the I next th- Captain Marvel movie, actually, now that I think about think it. think so? Yes, I think that's um, the next Captain Marvel movie. And then we have Blade, November 3rd, 2023. Which was also teased kind of tangentially at the end of Eternals. Yeah, it, if you somehow knew without looking it up that that was Mahershal Ali's voice. Yeah, we figured that out yeah. after we looked into it, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, we have Ironheart in fall of 23. I had something on that, actually, that I didn't really tackle in the news. I've, there was something about a casting. I don't remember who it was now. That's what it was. Alden Ehrenreich was cast in that. Uh, Has he I been in anything since Solo? <laughs> oh, that's I was going to say. Why does that name sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's the only reason yeah. I grabbed it. It was like, oh, that's kind of major uh, casting. We've got a a loose winter twenty three, early twenty four date for um, Agatha Coven of Chaos. I'm kind of surprised they're doing that show. Yep, because. It felt like her story was done. I guess maybe it's yeah. a prequel or maybe a tomorrow. It's got to be, right? I, I would assume it's a prequel. Uh, and then another banger, uh, Daredevil Born Again, Spring 2024. Yes. Which, which was alluding back to what I said earlier. They're whoring him out because there's another show he's supposed to show up in as well. And isn't, I, I, I vaguely recall the story. It's like, isn't it like, a, like an 18 episode series or something like that? Yeah, I don't know if it's a limited series or if it's a planned two series or something like mm. that. But actually, no, I think it's, isn't it 24 episodes? Or maybe it was 18. I think it's 18 Some, in 2024. Well, maybe that's what it was. But yeah, <laughs> I think, but I think it's split. I don't think it's going to be one. Oh, one. okay. It's be like across two, like either two half seasons or two seasons or something like that. Yeah, that's it. Then we have Captain America New World also, Order. Also, I think they, they confirmed Vincent D'Onofrio's back, right? I, I guess he, well, he was in Hawkeye. Well, oh, they confirmed his back? Yes. Interesting. Um. Captain America: New World Order, May third, twenty twenty four, which is a right. Yeah, I believe so. And then also surprised to have a very specific date <laughs> for it. I mean, I guess for their you know their storytelling purposes, they are all intertwined in some way that they have to release in a certain order. But to have a specific date that far out, while some of the other stuff is a loose in between, is interesting to me. I think I think that comes down to like Disney buys certain slots. And so oh, okay. if they know if they know they have three slots in May, say, they're like, okay, it's gonna be one of those weekends. But some of them, if they only have one slot, they'll just commit to that slot. Um we've got the Thunderbolts on July twenty sixth, twenty twenty four. Yes. I know nothing about this. I have heard of the group and I know nothing else of A fictional antihero team appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. Oh yeah, wasn't that like? Wasn't it kind of like the Suicide Squad? Like uh, it seems Ross? that way. This the team consists Assemble, mostly of yeah. reformed supervillains. 
Yeah, I was saying, okay. So now that you say uh, in it, theory, Loki will be part of this, right? Well, I think it's more like um, street level or like more grounded type. Okay, place. like I, I don't, Loki, I think would be too big for that. It would be more like a Red Skull type, pre getting mm. banished to some other planet. Type Abomination, planet. maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's stuff like that. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then I'm kind of excited for this Fantastic Four, November 8th, 2024. Now, have they confirmed, is John Krasinski going to be? I don't know, uh, but I hope so, because that was, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but that was, well, he was long rumored in the role. We just didn't know 100% he was going to be in yeah. Doctor Strange. So, so that was that's, that's cool. I'm looking forward to that. And then we have... Um, the dates for our two Avengers movies. Uh, Which, Aven- it's crazy that they got a six-month split Yeah, on the culmination of this three-phase arc. Like, yeah, and years away. Yeah, it was 2025, right? Yeah, it's May 5th and, May- and November 7th. Yeah, and also, if you know anything, and I only in the very barest ways know, like the Kang Dynasty, followed by... Secret Wars. Secret Wars resonates, I know, of that like runs in the comics. So mm-hmm. that's pretty major. Obviously, we're moving towards this Kang thing ain't getting resolved anytime soon, which we, we should know, right? He's gonna right. be our next centralized villain. Yeah, he's our Thanos. he's our Thanos for the next yeah. for this Avengers saga. Uh which is really cool. Like I don't this is so much going on here. And then also, if I understand correctly, I believe it was hinted that there's a bunch of like i mean that points at so phase six starts with the fantastic four on november 8th of 2024 and the only other two announced things within there are the avengers movie so there's more there's more to come out that's not announced before we even get there for sure and you know what else they didn't announce in this what anything x-men really right which you have to assume is coming at the very end of uh phase six leading into well, yes. like so, yeah. So that's cool. I'm really looking forward to that. I I just love that we have like I don't know for a while there it was like cool. It's weird. I don't really know where we're going. What's happening? But to see all of like this laid out and not to be like super thrilled about a ton of it, but like altogether, I'm excited about it. So. Also, we didn't get anything about the Eternals and all of this. And that I know the movie didn't perform the way they would. I don't think they're going to hand wave that away. <laughs> that's not going away. I don't know. Whether they get their own standalone movie or they pop up in some other movie or show, um, that's not going away, right? Let's see. It's going to get uh, revamped. It's going to, it's, it's, it, the Eternals is going to be uh, Incredible Hulk of this Avengers series, right? Just sprinkle them throughout it over yeah, and over again. Or just, to, like, just recast, pretend, pretend the other ones didn't happen, make them better. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing, though, is canonically, they did not act like it didn't happen. They just recast the actor and kind of shunted it off to the side. Still yeah. exists, still recognized. Abomination popped back up again. And by the way, he's not done yet. Aren't they still going to... Isn't he still going to be in something else? He's in She-Hulk. Is it She-Hulk? Yeah. 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 Um, and you can't recast an ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, do the, we'll do the Captain Marvel thing that we did in Avengers. They're, they're busy. They're bu- <laughs> they got this other stuff happening over there. That's where they are. That still rings as odd to me, like because Infinity War and Endgame were great, but not perfect. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel just going off screen is 
it still rings us up. Yeah. I think we'll maybe hear more about that, but we'll see. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, also, did we, it, we still didn't get anything, or maybe that's maybe they'll reef craft Thunderbolts to do that, but wasn't there supposed to be a, supposed to be some companion type of thing to, like, Avengers slash Defenders, right? Where it's, like, all of those, like, kind of tertiary heroes-ish characters were, mm. like, isn't, like, Black Widow, well, whatever the the newer version of Black Widow would be was it? I forgot the sister's name. Was, what phase was that? Character. What was that? Five was that phase four? Black, Black Widow is, I think, technically four. Four, yeah. But the the sister whose name I'm forgetting in the in the movie, I, um, Florence the Pugh. Florence Pugh character. <laughs> yeah, she was um, in Hawkeye. Pl- was she? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, plus U.S. agent, and I'm sure other people like those group of heroes ish form their own group. I forget what they're called. Hmm. There's another group, and I forget what they're called entirely, but like it's all of those types of characters. So I don't know. Are they reforming that into Thunderbolts, or is it going to get its own show or movie? Or oh, something? that'd be I'd be curious that yeah about that, like how they like if they're doing like their own screen version of it. I because they clearly showed they're not done with that. Like the post credit scene to Black Widow, like sh- they had what's her name from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Julie, Julie Louis Dreyfus, that character mm-hmm. showed up to recruit her. Yeah. We already know that she's like the agent for US agents, so mm-hmm. yeah, I know. we'll see we'll see how it plays out. I one of the things that looking at this list and considering the phases that they have planned, the thing that is interesting to me, the, that makes it very different than the previous saga, is that there's no Avengers until the end. Whereas Which kind of makes sense again from like the lack of cohesion coherence <laughs> to this point. Yeah. Yeah, because like we had I mean we had we had uh, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna say it. we had three Avengers movies before Endgame and uh, two and a half. Yeah, we had death. It was a two point five for sure. Uh, I mean, it was it was basically an Avengers movie. Like it's yeah, it's so funny to me that it's still that it's called Captain America. I do wonder if they went back in time, if they could retroactively fix that if they would change that. They I honestly think that they should have just named it Civil War. Like just that's it. Not even Avengers but, Civil War. Just but the thing Civil is War. like. All of them that were supposedly centered, right? You have Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they could have just named those movies Ragnarok and Love and Thunder, but they wanted it to be subtitles to yeah. who the lead was, even though they end up building ensembles, right, of characters in those. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Captain America Civil War, right? They, they do, but in Thor in the Thor movies it very much still feels like a Thor centric movie whereas Civil yes. War did not feel like a Captain America central movie sure but you could like Thor Ragnarok is a Thor movie but it's a Thor and Loki Thor and, and Friends it, well specifically it's a Thor and Loki and and Hulk show or movie yeah. you know what I mean like it's basically like, it becomes an ensemble by the end right because you have the three of them plus Valkyrie but like it's Thor with his Brother and his friend, but ultimately yeah. the storyline follows Thor. Sure, I'm just saying the other two are almost given secondary billing, and like yeah. they deserve secondary billing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, same thing. Like Spider Man No Way Home is a Spider Man movie, but like Doctor Strange doesn't have a cameo. He's basically second billing. Yeah, he, right. But uh, but again, second billing. But it's a Spider-Man movie, and it's obvious that it's a Spider-Man movie. Whereas sure. with and Civil War, it's not obvious Wars. that it's a Captain America movie. Yeah, it's, it's very obviously a, uh, uh, an ensemble, or you could say twin billing him and Iron. Sure. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but like even but so are also the yeah. The it doesn't other, feel like Avengers the, movies almost. Well, feel actually, that I don't way know. Too. That movie kind of feels like it slingshots back and forth between being an Avengers movie and being a Captain America movie. Right? There's times where it feels like a Captain America movie. There's times where it feels like an Avengers. Movie. Hmm. That might be yeah. why I don't love that movie. Some people love that movie. I didn't dislike the movie, but I think it suffers from an identity crisis. Like, it's not a bad movie, and like this yeah. a, it's obviously crucial to everything that comes next. And being you know a culmination what, of everything I bet to it, you, it, it makes sense though, right? Because they, the Russos did Winter Soldier first, right? And then they did that as they dip their toe into the waters of dealing with all of the characters. They, they, they knock out all of the, you know, the, the, we get past the bumpy road, and it's smooth sailing from then on out. Like they they figure it out during the creation yeah. of that movie, which I think I, is probably why. Like it's almost like an experiment piece. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think there's an identity crisis because they're like trying. It was like it's like when you're on the monkey bars and like you don't want to let go of the bar you're hanging on until mm-hmm. you grab the next bar. Yeah, and it feels like they're passing the torch from Captain America to an Avengers movie. Yeah, but they never quite let go of the Captain America bar. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. It's that, that it's really it's interesting. I do really like that movie, um, but I also think that it is also it's 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 definitely messy. Yes, um, in execution, it's just got a lot. There's a lot of fun going forward, especially with the introduction of characters. Right, Black Panther, Spider Man. Like, how cool was that when he pulls Captain America's shield? Like, just like the the stuff they did there was fantastic. But it's yeah, it's a uh, it definitely has it's a bumpy road for sure. Man, now I just want to watch. Endgame and Infinity War again. <laughs> uh, uh, is that all? That's all. That's all. That's all of the MCU release dates and things coming out. <laughs> yes. Crazy. It's wild. That's the news and nuggets for this week. Uh, you want to do a quick consumption? We can certainly try. All right. What are you watching? Um, so I saw Top Gun Maverick. Oh, nice. I failed miserably at doing that. I know. <laughs> but, Silver Lining, you just get to see the new Thor. It's true. It was a wonderful consolation prize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw. I finally saw Top Gun Maverick, and while some of the love for it out in the world was a bit hyperbolic, it was a legitimately really good movie. I enjoyed mm. it a lot. It, I'm excited to watch it. It seems like I'm going to, based on everything I'm hearing... It seems like I'm going to really enjoy myself. So, I don't love or hate the original Top Gun the way that many people do. Mm-hmm. I kind of nothing it. I I I am bemused by it. It's there's some entertaining stuff to it. There's some utterly ridiculous stuff to it. Both. I think Top Gun is an absolutely version. absurd movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, it's also like kind of sort of barely a movie. Um, That's just, true. Like, a lot of a lot of things <laughs> going on. This it's, movie, it's shirtless volleyball, the movie. Yeah, this movie, while not exactly The Godfather or Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, is trying to be a movie. It has a story that it wants to tell. That story is not revolutionary, but it is a story. Mm. It has a bunch of characters and a bunch of cool action sequences that it wants to do, and it marries all those things together into a coherent movie that nice. is very entertaining with. Some legitimate thrill, some legitimate things that happen, some legitimate feels with the characters and all that. Nice. Some of that is informed by real life stuff, obviously, but most of it is 
on you know on the page slash on the screen stuff. It's a good time. It's a good time. It's a good awesome. Time. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And truly, some of the action stuff in the cockpit slash in the air is a marvel to behold. It is not quite like any other flying movie you've seen. Mm. That's because they did it, right? Like they actually. That's because yeah. they did it. There's. It's very obvious in many of the shots. This is real people. Whether or not it's the actor, it's real people in a cockpit I, I, doing the shit. From what I understand, it is the actors. When they're filming it inside of the cockpit. Yeah. They didn't let them fly the planes. No, not fly, but I, they, had, they had them alongside, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, having seen the movie one time, yeah. like how they all the, pulled it all off. But the, the point is, some of the stunts are legitimately done. There's very yeah. little CGI, which is why yeah. this movie is, looks really cool. Yeah. Like, I, I, some of it is not oh, real. Now, see, now I want to watch is, Mad Max again. So. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good movie. It's a good time. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, what else are you consuming? I watched a random movie the other day. It's one that I've heard about a bunch of times, never seen. Let's go to prison. <laughs> was that entertaining? <laughs> it was interesting. Okay. <laughs> it was very of its time. Yeah. In a lot of ways, some of those good, some of those bad, some of those indifferent. It was sure. a really random cast. It was interesting. I've I've heard of it. I knew of it since it came out. I've heard of it some because obviously I listen intermittently to to Dax's show, Armchair Expert, and yeah. references it on occasion. It's it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> High praise. Um, to be fair, I did doze off briefly, or almost doze off briefly, like roughly two thirds of the way through for probably about five, 10 minutes, but it was an interesting experience. It was, it's funny, you know, listening to Cinephobe and there is definitely a period of time in the two thousands where for some reason, every shitty movie had a lot of narration in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something I really noticed until listening to that show that specifically for whatever reason that decade, like, cause there's always been movies with narration, some of them good, some of them bad, but I realized that for whatever reason, the movies of the aughts, leaned heavily on narration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like you could do That's it funny. and it could be good. Like Martin Scorsese has done it in like a bunch of his movies and it's mostly sure. good, but there's a lot of shitty movies that lean on that because they don't have a better way to tell their story. And I think this is one of those movies that lean on it. It's like, Oh wow, that really was a thing from back then. Mm-hmm. And it's one like while well, listening to that show, I've heard that and it's like, yeah, like that's probably true or whatever. But like we're now watching this movie and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, it's definitely a thing. <laughs> well, so speaking of narration, I uh, Kim and I are well into season three of Arrested Development. Uh, she's watching mm-hmm. it for the first time. Still a fantastic show. I love it so, so, so much. But Ron Howard's narration is wonderful, especially in the episode where there is an episode, there's like a, a mini series within the show about the Bluth family. That is narrated by somebody who's doing a terrible job, and Ron Howard keeps calling him out for doing a terrible job within <laughs> the show. It's just love it. It's just the way that they structure that entire thing is fantastic, and uh, it's it's just really just a it is an absolute treasure. <laughs> Were you talking about the Bob Einstein character? Uh, the no, the, the character's proxy? not on screen. It's just a oh, okay. they, they did like a there's like a documentary going on about the blue family building homes in iraq and like this story about the family oh and okay yeah, yeah it's narrated and he's just shitting on the narrator <laughs> i i forgot about that i thought you were talking about like bob einstein when he's the proxy and he's wearing the camera the surrogate yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> so ridiculous 
<laughs> I didn't tell him to say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely enjoying my, my Arrested Development. What else you got? Um, oh, as I, I mentioned earlier, I've been making considerable progress on the Witcher series. I am now mm. in the final book of the series. It's funny because from I well, I read on the page book one, and then I started listening from book two. And I don't remember exactly the length of book two, but I feel like book three, four, five were all in the ten to twelve hour range, and even maybe six. And I or and I've lost track now. I forget how many books there were total, but it was very noticeable. Like the second to last book jumped from that ten to twelve hour range to like sixteen hours, and mm-hmm. this was like twenty hours. And it's like okay, these have uh, really ramped up at the end. We got, we're, getting, <laughs> we're getting there, jeez. Which which is fine because some of those books feel like it went by so quick. Um, yep. I have really, really enjoyed this series. It's cool. They have balanced, at times, this series feels so hyper-focused and narrow on such a couple of specific things going on. And then, at other times, feels so huge and broad, and there's so much Mm. going on. And balancing that out, while not always perfect, has been a really cool experience, as we were talking about earlier with the show. And even further, the books, like the the depth of the lore, has been really Cool. cool. And uh, I've really genuinely enjoyed this. I'm excited. I actually, at some point later this year, I'd really like to go back and watch the first two seasons before the third season sure. comes out because I, I've really enjoyed both mediums. I don't know. You got to play the game. I, I'll probably do that at some point too. Yeah. Uh, even though the third one is like 150 hours or something. Like just that. play the third <laughs> one. From what I understand, you could start there and it'll be, you'll enjoy yourself. Well, I know Dominic really enjoyed the second one. Mm. Um, but the, uh, I gotta say, I'm jealous of your experiences with The Witcher and Dune, and was it the expand like just the the the, yeah. the novel experience that you've been having 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 that you've been having lately? But, uh, it sounds very appealing. I just haven't like, obviously, you know how I am with with books. I do, um, but, but it's uh, been great. It's been great to get back into reading, even though a lot of it has been listening. Some of it's been reading. Sure, um, I, I definitely missed that for those few years where I kind of went on hiatus from reading. Yeah. Um, at least books, obviously. Um, also, I'm, I'm proud to say I really appreciated that I, as this series was getting later on, I started to have an inkling of something, and this final book proved my inkling was correct. And I, you know how much I enjoy yeah. theorizing about a thing like that and being it's, able to. It's, to so, it's it. so funny. I will, I mean, I'll pause a movie 20 minutes in and be like, X, Y, and Z are going to happen. And Kim's like, okay. And then we'll play the movie out. And she's like, how? How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't get into like the deep research and lore stuff. Like, sure. I, I'm, I don't mean that judgmentally. No, you can, but you can enjoy whatever go form you want. And some people like to dive with that, that far into stuff. it. Yeah, whether it be like Game of Thrones or obviously yeah. the Witcher series, is, I'm sure was one of them or whatever version of that Dune stuff like that people talk about on message boards or reddit or whatever that's all great i i really truly don't i'm not looking down on that in the slightest bit but to me just experiencing the narrative and the way it's happening and just formulating your opinion whether you share it with one person or the entire internet or yeah. this that and the other thing um i don't necessarily need to get into like for my own personal drama like the scholarliness of these are the 47 textual things that i've gone on and this and that i'm gonna like big like narrative stuff it's just like I like to maybe find one or two things I think is just going to happen in, in, in broad strokes and figure it out. Or even there was just one specific thing that I had been kicking around in my brain for the last couple of books. And uh, it, it, it came to be 
that that I was right on that. I was like, you know what? That felt good. That felt good. That I, I nailed that one. I don't want to say what it is because it's. I don't know without having finished this book yet whether it's going to be a huge spoiler or just kind of a a fun little thing. But either way, I, I thought it was kind of cool. Sweet. I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, anything else? Um, I did start last week. Sometime last week, I watched the first episode of the new season of What We Do in the Shadows. Um, oh, I didn't even realize it was out. Oh no. No, I I just lost track. Yeah, there's I think well, maybe it was today was the fourth episode came oh, out, I think. What a treat. <laughs> yeah, so I watched the first one with Gianna, you know, me and her both watched so we we watched the first one the other day. Like yeah, you know, they released like two episodes and then one, then one. Okay. I think I think the fourth one was out today. So we watched the first one. Uh it was entertaining. It's ridiculous as always. Um the Colin Robinson stuff slash baby Colin Robinson stuff is uh, hilarious. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, there is a Fuck particular moment. We, we get some... Uh, yeah, uh, I will say they've been hinting at it with all the promotional stuff. Um, so it's not too much of a spoiler to say. I, I wondered whether we were going to take some time to get our leads all back together, and it happened very quickly. <laughs> <So>, which, <laughs> there's pros and cons to that. Like On sure. the one hand, it feels like maybe they made a hard pivot from what they were planning at the end of last season. But right. on the other hand, they're so good together that I, I had been feeling some trepidation at the end of last season when they all split up. I was like, Oh, I, I got a vibe from that, that they weren't certain of being picked up for a third season upon shooting it. Fourth, um, Fourth which season. is crazy, right? That that would be a thing. Cause I, didn't they already renew it for another? I, I don't, I don't know, but like it just seemed that way, right? Like the way that it ended, it could have been like I could see that being an ending, a weird ending to a great series, like another uh, that just like well, tapers I, off. I also wonder whether there was some clunkiness with the handoff of Jermaine Clement no longer oh, on the show anymore. Maybe, um, but I don't know because I think that happened before last season or it was during last season. I don't mm. remember, um, hmm. but uh, also. This stuff in this, <laughs> there's a really funny as they all recount what happened in like the year that they were all separated or it's whatever. <laughs> um, they, um, <laughs> when they get to Nandor's story, I don't want to spoil in the slightest bit. I'll just say it's the first time that this show has dipped into recent popular culture. And when I saw how they did it, I totally lost it because as soon as. They started hinting at it. I, I was like, no fucking way. And then they, <laughs> like, it was one of those ones where it was like, I figured it out, but it was like two seconds before it happened. Oh and my I God. totally lost it. I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, they've obviously had a million, like, pop culture references, but, like, yeah. not something that, like, specifically real life, like, just happened. <laughs> it was hysterical. I, I can't a, wait. As soon as you say you're going to know what I'm talking idea. about, I, I'm sure you're going to have. There's only a couple of things it could be, and I'm sure you're going to have the yeah. same reaction I did. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh my gosh, I have to watch that. I'm so pumped. What a treat to know that that's there. Anything else? Uh, I've just been going with um, Barry, but I, I still haven't mm. finished the season, even though the season's been done. Uh, I've been enjoying it. It's just I've been juggling a bunch of different shit because I've also been playing through um, Legendary Edition Mass Effect. Mm. I finally finished the first one the other day. Started up the second one, so that's good. We're we're got some good progress there, and um, I have the final episode of Severance to go. I was gonna try oh, to watch nice. it before we nice. recorded tonight, and I just ran out of time, and I didn't want to start it, and not finish it. 
Yeah. Ah, what a what a great just out of nowhere show that I just really enjoyed. I yeah. uh, it dipped back into the well over the past couple of weeks, and we watched Old School and uh, like a few days later, Wedding Crashers, which was just a treat to rewatch those movies. It's a, it's a nice little double feature. <laughs> yeah, Wedding Crashers just holds up so well. There, the chemistry of every actor in that movie is unreal, and. It's it's it it it's a uh, for a silly movie it has no business having such a story that like the ridiculous story that it has that is like so fleshed out and deep. It, it I just I love it so much. Oh, so also that movie weirdly has like as much world building as like The Witcher does. Yeah, <laughs> it's it has crazy. no reason to, and yet it does. Oh man, it's just so well made. Uh, that's that's pretty much it uh, for me. The most, the majority of it has been Arrested Development because, as you know, we were, I think we were talking about watching it and now we're three seasons in. So, <laughs> yes. That's been that. I think my, my mom was also into the third season as well. So, nice. And of course, oh, which we'll talk about later, Better Call Saul. Yes. Cool. Are you ready to talk about this movie? I hope so. Well, with that, it's time for our flick of the week. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, released in 2022. Doctor Strange teams up with a mysterious teenage girl from his dreams who can travel across multiverses to battle multiple threats, including other universe versions of himself, which threaten to wipe out millions across the multiverse. They seek help from Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, Wong, and others. That's a really strange synopsis um, for IMDb. It was like not... both entirely too specific and yet not specific enough. Yeah, very, very weird. Rated PG-13 with a two-hour and six-minute runtime. Uh, why don't we kick off, Al, with your hot take? Amidst the renewed and barely more qualified complaints of superhero fatigue, here's a movie that should stave off such quibbling. Unabashedly Raimi and incredibly strange, this movie is not quite like any of its MCU predecessors. 7.5 out of 10. Nice. I did similar to Thor under Taika. Dr. Stephen Strange officially finds his identity under the direction of Sam Raimi. 8 out of 10. Okay. I really enjoyed my time with this movie. I didn't know, you know, I'm just going into it. I'm expecting, okay, Dr. Strange, next movie, whatever. Cool. But the actual uh, structure and execution of the movie, completely different in, in an amazing way. Like, it... This felt right. This felt like what Doctor Strange should be. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the first movie I had been intrigued by the idea of it. I was like, oh, okay, this is like supposedly a super important character in like Marvel slash Avenger lore. Good casting, Benedict Cumberbatch feels right. We got a good casting for the villain. Let's see what this is all about. We could do some cool stuff, right? We see the trailer. It's like, oh, they're fucking doing some Inception, moving Mm -hmm. around the universe and time and space and all that. And ultimately, it doesn't really move the needle. It's kinda... no, it's like a largely forgettable. Yeah, it's well. The problem is it's so origin story, which I get because it's such a uncommon character. But mm-hmm. so after the first one being kind of whatever, they brought back the same director, and I was like, okay, whatever. Mm. They seem hopefully they learned some lessons because at that point they've gotten through enough different. Origin stories plus Avengers movies, and we've included right. Doctor Strange with the Russos with Infinity War and, and Endgame and all that stuff. It was like, cool, we're getting another movie 
maybe we'll actually get some time with this character, like being in the world and mattering and all that. They like, fire the director. <laughs> Sorry, they didn't fire him. He, they had like a conscious uncoupling or whatever the fuck you want to call oh, it. Oh, did they leave for creative differences? Yeah, something along those yeah, lines. Okay. Scott Derrickson, I think, was the name. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think he's that's still... Hollywood firing. But he stayed on as like a producer. It's Hollywood firing, but it's not scandalous enough to report on. Sure. But I think he stayed on as a producer and is, I want to say, still involved in the MCU as a producer. I don't mm. know. Or mm. writer or something. I'm not entirely sure. And they hire Sam Raimi. It's like, oh, okay. He did some really cool things with Spider-Man and then kind of lost the thread with mm-hmm. Spider-Man 3. <laughs> some people love that movie. Some people hate that movie. I don't either, but it is a mess. The movie's a mess, whether you like it or dislike that, it. Uh, re- regardless, that's, I mean, there's meddling, right? Like, there's something, there's something, like, he, it doesn't seem like he fully had the helm of that movie. Which is weird, because you would think, considering the unmitigated success that was the first two that you'd have the less se- and yeah, less. Especially the second one, yeah. That's usually how that That's works. Weird. The more money you make and the more successful you are, the less meddling you get from the studio, not more. But yeah, you're uh, right. Maybe, that maybe they movie, were keeping him appropriately in check and then they didn't. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. Because it doesn't sound like he was happy with how that movie came out. I was going to say, based on, based on how this turned out, I'm going to assume that it was meddling. Yeah. Which is weird, because that's just re- like the reverse from how that yeah. goes. But regardless, he came on and I was like, okay, well, that's at least interesting, because the first movie is not super interesting. And like, whether the mm-hmm. movie was going to be good or bad, it's like, okay, with Sam Raimi coming in, it's going to probably be interesting. Yeah. And that's what this movie is. It's weird. Yeah. It's interesting. And when you have a character named Doctor Strange, who is... <laughs> oh, we're a, using our made-up names. <laughs> yes. Who is a sorcerer, the supreme sorcerer, if you will. Not anymore. Sure, but that is historically his moniker, the yeah. Sorcerer Supreme. It should be... The Sorcerer Supreme, that's you. <laughs> it should be weird. It should be strange. Yeah. And this movie is that. Not at every single second, but often enough to make it worth mentioning. Worth the right about. amount. Yeah, I, for the most part, I would say the right amount. And like, yeah. you can obviously and like see the Raimi inspiration in some of this stuff. There are some oh, stuff yeah. that feels like it's straight up like, ooh, I could do Evil Dead with a budget and also a lot of cool toys that, to play with in mm-hmm. the sandbox, and that's what he did. Well, there I very much love seeing that, like in the middle. Of the yeah, <laughs> yeah, like and which is which makes sense, and I actually really like that aspect of it because, like, the idea to lean into that a little bit and give the helm to somebody who has that experience. You're dealing with the mystic, right? Which is magic can be exciting and interesting, but also terrifying, yes. and I like leveraging that aspect of it as far as telling the story. And I think he did a tremendous job at seeing, seeing all of that DNA from the, the, I will say the first two Spider-Man movies um, that are coming here. Like just the way that he shoots the way uh, that, you know, you lean in and focus on some of the more creepy and weird or outlandish or uncomfortable. Uh, it works so much better in a Doctor Strange movie than it does in a Spider-Man. I think that this movie is... Yeah, because there was really only, like, one... Off the top of my head, there's really only one scene or sequence I can think of in the whole trilogy of Spider-Man movies where he really let his Sam Raimi-ness come out. And it scene... Doc Ock on the operating yeah, table? Yeah, on the operating yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the only scene that really, truly feels like it's Raimi uncaged. For sure, yeah. And I almost feel like they... Um, he definitely pulled back a little bit on 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 zooming in on screaming faces and really really played that card well. Like use it to better effect in this movie than maybe in some previous examples, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was sure. also cool. 
but the seemed the, very polished. It seems like Sam Raimi, but very polished. Yes, which makes sense when you consider the type of budgets, and also yeah. now, like, because obviously the budgets of the Spider-Man movies were pretty impressive for the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have the benefit of it's been twenty years since the first movie came out, and he yeah. had the benefit of hindsight and learning, yeah, polish and having adults in the room to help along with the producing and the editing, right? You have a Kevin Feige to help with. Right. With the vision and all that stuff. So uh, it's just, it really is. I, I, I feel like it, after when the movie started, I'm like, like, I don't know, it's like 10, 15 minutes in. I was like, man, this is going to be really good. Like this, <laughs> like this, we, the, the way this story is being told right now is like, I'm in. <laughs> can we talk about the opening for a second? Because I think I might've told you when I saw this movie that I walked in like two minutes late. <laughs> And I yeah. mean, I missed the first two minutes of the fucking movie. I yeah. literally walked in on a ponytailed Doctor Strange <laughs> getting stabbed by some monster and throwing a girl through a door. And I was like, what the fuck did I miss? And then he Surprisingly, wakes up not much. <laughs> and yet an awful lot because I watched it again mm. when I thought we were going to do this episode three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I both didn't really miss a ton, and yet also, the whole thing Some, with the... Like a crucial aspect of it, yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that they named the Book of Ashanti right there, yeah. as well as named... the or I don't know if it was named someone else, or... There was one other bit of context where it was like, oh, okay, I got those things throughout the course of this movie, but it would have been nice to know that they introduced this in the first fucking three minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's always a fun... That's a, it's fun because like that's a storytelling mechanic that I've seen done time and time again where you start the movie off like almost in the middle or at the end and then rewind and then play up to that point and then cap it. But like it and did that in a weird disjointed <laughs> way with the story, like because it was a dream in a different universe. And like they managed to do that mechanic, but just in a new, fresh way. And I really liked that. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, Okay, Wanda. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Wanda for a minute. I absolutely okay. cannot stand Wanda. <laughs> okay? Uh, she's selfish. It's absurd to me that that character is this far gone. And then I was like, oh, okay. Are they just not leaning into enough how corrupt she has really become because of the Darkhold? What do you mean? Like, She's not, like, it's not just her doing this, right? It's like, I feel like there's this impulse to want to do the thing that she's doing that becomes this, I don't know, crazy plan that is like this unstoppable train moving forward because she's corrupted by the tool that she's using. So what what I think the failing of this was, so there's a couple of things. I'm going to go back even further, actually. I saw some complaints around this movie's release people complaining about like them doing Wanda wrong in this movie. Like, okay, she learned and grew through WandaVision, which is true, but I feel like it forgets the fact that that show ends with her using the Dark Hole. Yeah, I don't think she learned by the end of that. She's still, yeah. Well, I think, no, I think she did, but she's not held accountable and then is given the answer to everything. It's like, oh, wait, I didn't have to learn. I have the answer. Right. Like, I think she was learning... And if someone had removed the dark holes from her, she would have, but she didn't. And she starts using it right off the bat. So it's like, oh, yep, no, this is going to that. Like the whole reason that post credit scene is left at the end of that show is to show you 
whatever chance she had, she lost the second she opens the book. Right, but I, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is like I think people. I, I'm wondering that she's people forget about because she's under a spell, right? Like that's basically. I, I guess so. So yeah, but my point is, I saw that specific complaint lobbied around like a bunch. It's like mm. I get what you're saying from the run of the show, but did you did you not watch or did you forget like the post credit scene? She opens the book, so you know right off the bat she's gonna give it. Like, you know no, what's gonna happen. No, this on. movie didn't cause a problem. The end of that show already tipped off. She's gone. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. We know that she's she's not done doing what she's doing. That's how the end of the show lands for me. Like because yes. she found this other we're, way of approaching to get what she wants. We're saying right? the same thing. But no. But what I'm what I'm not getting though is the extremes that she's about to go to. Okay. Don't no, separate issue. Feel separate issue. Okay. Separate issue. Okay. Yeah, that all, that that's all fine. Makes yes. sense that she that she's still going to go for it. Cool. Yes. But. What I'm caught up with, what I was caught up with the entire movie is the extremes that she, like the idea that like so the, we'll the destroy the, an entire universe will. I can tell you the failing. I could. Uh, the problem was they said all of the things, but they didn't mm-hmm. stitch them together. Yeah, she's still in that grieving and found a way to get what she wanted, which is going to circumvent yeah. her actually healing. She used the dark hole. We know that's the thing. Right. The connection point. Of like they gave us the dictionary definition of what the Scarlet Witch is, mm-hmm. but they didn't explain to us how the Scarlet Witch connects Wanda and the Darkhold. That's the yeah. fail. That is yeah. the specific thing that they failed. I didn't really realize it. That was the issue watching it the first time. When I watched it the second time, I realized okay, they said all of the things, but they didn't give us the connective tissue to make it feel fully actualized. But what is the what does the Scarlet Witch want? What's my point is we understand what Wanda wants. And yes. We understand what the Darkhold is and that mm-hmm. the price that it pays is it corrupts you, right? It's it's mm-hmm. the black magic. It's the 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 thing like you know like it's like the Little Mermaid like signing the contract with Ursula, right? Like you pay the price greater than what you you're willing to get, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know it's gonna you're going to sell your soul to do this thing, right? It's the contract with the devil. It's the contract that, that um, Captain Jack Sparrow made with, with Davy Jones. Like it's all those things. We've seen that a million different times. It's, it's the deal with the devil, but how the deal with the devil that Wanda made actualizes as the Scarlet, Witch, they never cemented what that is exactly. They just had a line in the movie where Wong says, there's a prophecy that says that the Scarlet, Witch is going to become all powerful and either control the world or destroy it. But they didn't right. explain how Wanda reading the Darkhold manifests the Scarlet Witch. They never right. explained and, that. And if you want to make some leaps, you can go with, okay, the Scarlet Witch wants America's powers so that she can easily move between multiverses and conquer them. Great, right? And then leverages leverages Wanda's desires as the the tool and vehicle to get what she wants. That or, if that's or, the case, cool. Or but actually, that's not I, really. I think I even have. I think I have even like building on what you're saying. I have even like a better way that you could do it in a way that like it requires like one additional sentence of exposition. <laughs> and what Wong is trying to explain all that, all he has to say is something along the lines of, "The Scarlet Witch is this all-powerful magical entity that was trapped within the confines of the the Darkhold." And when yeah. someone uses a spell from the Darkhold, it'll free that spirit to possess the person. Mm-hmm. 
Because then it's like, oh, she uses the Darkhold, then gives her spirit up to the Scarlet Witch. And this yeah. evil entity is just wants to take control of the multiverse, right? Boom, done. Sure. But they didn't do that. They, yeah, they, they didn't do that. And then at the end... The it's almost like the Scarlet Witch is just like some coincidental thing to what's going on. Right. Like, either, either you have to do some version of what you or I just said, or just get rid of the Scarlet Witch thing entirely, and it's just like, Wanda Maximoff wants this thing, she sold her soul to the magical devil of the Darkhold, and lost her way in the path. Like, introducing the Scarlet Witch thing on top of that, and not cementing what that actually means, or who that yeah. actually is, if it is even a who, makes it not it makes it just makes it a little bit clunky. And like we're we're kind of getting caught up in nitpicking on a little thing that ultimately doesn't really matter. But my point is like why introduce it if it's not going to matter? Yeah, yeah. The well the, well the the reason why cuz the movie still works even like, with that need, being you need your clunky. villain to have motivation, right? And her motivation while I understand it doesn't seem like she would go to the lengths that she went through. Well, it does if you sold your soul. If maybe maybe then right, but but that, that that leans more into what we're talking about of like okay the possession like is that the actual reason being is the going through that is what the Scarlet Witch actually wants and she's using this thing and exempl like amplifying it so that yeah it becomes like the the reason why Wanda goes for it but it's it, that whole piece of it is clunky and even so I still very much enjoy the movie but I do no, think it doesn't if you, if ultimately you doesn't solve matter. that though. Yeah, if you saw you that, take... do you think this goes to a nine or ten territory? My my issues with it aren't even like involving with that because it, it ultimately doesn't matter, right? You could just ignore as the viewer, you could just ignore the Scarlet Witch thing in the movie. It's still the same movie. I I can't just ignore it because the entire time, I'm like, but why is she going to such great lengths? Like she does know better, and also this whole like I had it the worst out of everybody thing is bullshit. <laughs> like I don't think that Wanda had it the worst. Uh no, I mean she probably does. It takes a long time for her to explain herself, but when she does, she's right. Right? Cause like Doctor Strange says something along the lines of, yo, it was really tough knowing the sacrifice and how much it was gonna hurt everyone, and she's like, No, I killed my husband. Mm-hmm. And then it was thrown back in my face as that didn't matter at all. But I was still left with the grief of having to do the thing that will fuck you up. Right. Like that's that's like Dr. Strange made a sacrifice, but then got the payoff. She made the sacrifice and got laughed in her face. Mm -hmm. So that is worse. But what she's doing is so much worse. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm not saying that that justifies it because of course but I, it doesn't. I, but I feel like she would be able to reconcile with that because she's done some like no because that's all she never got to the healing phase. She went yeah. through the oh, grief. Okay. Wanda yeah. version because was about because her she grief. she she skipped over all the grief processing. Maybe yes. Um, I guess that's what irritates me is just from the outside. It's like stop, just stop. Yeah. Um, that's why I feel like it does need a little bit more of a, like I like the I, I like the concept of like okay this strong entity is gonna really manipulate those feelings to use her as a vessel to do the thing that I think is a re is really cool and compelling and makes the villain interesting because it's a two part villain yeah. and it's obvious but they didn't make it that well clear. like I said I think either more or less they they mm -hmm. did the worst possible thing where like they introduced I say more because less would have annoyed me more. But I, I think it would have, while well, it would have been 
Spartan, it would have been functional. If it's just mm. she used the book and the book corrupts you, it's like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Or there's this. Oh, I see what you. I see what you. I thought when you say less, I thought you meant even like kind of skip the part of it actually manipulating you. But no, okay. just the point of like why you. introduce the Scarlet Witch thing if you're not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Expand upon that being an entity, I guess. Also, does the Scarlet Witch actually look like her? Like, there's a whole stone statue. <laughs> it does seem weird that you have her dimensions and all, right? But I, I guess when it comes to prophecy, right, she fits the prophecy. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Which, again, unnecessarily convoluted. Like, it doesn't change the movie. It just makes no. it unnecessarily convoluted. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, it's just like there's also like this weird, this strange disconnect with the the end of like, okay, showing the kids being scared of her because that's not their mom. And like, okay, now she finally gets it. And that's enough that she's able to break out of it and destroy the dark old temple thing. Well, I think it was one of those situations where someone can tell you she have to see it. I think that was her rock bottom, right? Like, mm. it's like, I think it kind of ended up being kind of a loose allegory for something like addiction, right? Where someone could tell you, you have an issue with drinking. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. But then when you see how it affects the people you love, you're not told yeah. when you're showed. It's like, oh, fuck. Right? Because guess- like Dr. Shane said, you're going to leave these people without their mother. No, I'm going to be their mother. It's like, and yeah. you don't see a problem with how that is going to... She's like, no, she just hand-weaved it. Like, no, no, I've got magic. Like, fuck off. And then she's like, here I am with my magic, kids. And they're, yeah. like, horrified. She goes, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but I guess the... Yeah, what 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 is... It's the mechanics of the whole thing because less... Because either not enough was explained or whatever. Like, that. it's what makes it clunky for me is that, like... Okay, now she sees it. So that emotional torment of realizing how bad it is was enough for her to be able to break free and destroy the Darkhold. Why? Well, I mean, I it, guess it was it, <laughs> well because she didn't just relinquish it, and I'm better now. Mm-hmm. She finally paid the price. She finally was accountable to all of the things. Yeah, I guess. Although, to be fair. I still don't think her story is done being written. I don't buy it that she. Oh no, I don't either. Um, she'll be back in some form, maybe as a uh, thunderbolt, whatever the hell, <laughs> <laughs> whatever they're called. Uh, let's talk about one of the most important characters. That's Pizza Papa. <laughs> and <laughs> Pizza Papa gets paid. <laughs> that was great. That was great. That was such nonsense, silly time in this very serious moment, and I loved every second of it. You want to talk about random world-building stuff, let's focus on Pizza Papa for a second, because I actually think mm. he was like the ultimate version of stupid little lore-building and storytelling. Mm. Because she says to him, he goes, where'd you get that? And she goes, oh, I just got it from over there. And she goes, He goes, how'd you pay for it? And she goes, you don't have to pay most worlds. And then Pizza Papa starts yelling at them, and she goes, oh, I guess this is one of the worlds you do have to pay. And he goes, you two are takers. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. That's lore. That's world building. I don't need any more information, but it's cool <laughs> that they have <laughs> this phrase for this thing in this world. And you immediately know what that means. Yeah. Even though we don't call P- 
people that like we call thieves, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. Like you don't call people who just take things <laughs> takers. <laughs> but it also so there, there's two edge, right? Because I, I really like that. I don't need any more information. If you want to give me more information, that could could be cool. It might end up being unnecessarily expository, but it could be cool. But I don't need it. That's enough to show me this world's slightly different, but yet we still have a common language where I can understand yeah. how we got to that point. I, I thought that was just such a cool little microcosm for what that's all about. But separate from that, it reminded me of Cynophobe because in that show, they have really reveled in the whole thing that we joke about all the time, the Family Guy joke of someone mm-hmm. saying the name of a movie in the movie. But, yeah. uh, he said it. And they revel in that as well on, on the show. And they did the movie Takers with Idris Elba and Hayden Christensen. <laughs> and whenever someone says the thing in a movie, they'll play that as well. Because there's a line in the movie. Where, did you ever see it? I never saw it. No, I've never seen it. I remember the movie coming out. I never saw it. Yeah. I was like, that looks stupid. Same. What I understand it was. But <laughs> there's a, a line where Idris Elba's like monologuing to the crew and he just says to them, we're takers, gents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they play it all the time on the show whenever someone does the stupid, you know. That's great. I'm a family guy. Or it's a clear present yeah. danger to our society. Whenever they do that sort of thing, they play it. We're takers, gents. <laughs> and when he said, you guys are takers, it reminded me of that stupid drop <laughs> that they do all the time in the show. Um, also, I appreciate that pizza is in the form of balls. That and... Uh... You know, it's the dark. It, maybe one of the darkest things that happens in this movie is that Doctor Strange puts a spell on him where he's going to beat himself up for three weeks. Yes, seemed unnecessary. Uh, yeah, that was that was ridiculous. I do like that they pulled that back in the post credit scene. Also, I was a little bit creeped out by the pizza balls, the form that they took. Because if you just said to me, "Pizza is in the form of balls," I'm assuming it's like mini calzones. Right, right. Not like, like Pizza the Hut. Yeah, it was like Pizza the Hut. Munchkins. Yeah, it, was, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> it was weird. Um, anyway, uh, moving on. We, again, I liked the way that we did some backstory stuff for America, like via that dream sequence, that dream sequence, that memory tool uh, that you could stand on and they could, they remember for you. I thought that was cool. I meet going into like, the sanctum and like <laughs> what's the what's the character's name from the first movie that Morda Morda yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was seeing him and strange being like a boy and then it's like all cool with him he's like huh, go on red I really <laughs> liked that yeah <laughs> I thought that was very silly uh, and then of course he's a you know he poisons him and whatever um, which led to some of the really like just. Some really cool stuff. Like I getting some crossover, getting some uh reimagining of characters. And here's where like the multiverse is confusing to me. Is the Captain Marvel in this multiverse is a different person than the Captain Marvel that we have in the universe of the main storyline. Maybe it goes there eventually, which it seems like they've been hinting at it, so I guess that could be it. And it's but it's like can another person have the powers that looks different than... Well, I, th- I think it makes sense, right? When you consider what, like, the, the principle of the multiverse is, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. a million different variations of Captain Steve Rogers. This one, he mm-hmm. takes the serum. This one, he doesn't. This one, he... This, t- this one, Cap- Captain Carter takes it instead of him. Right. And, uh, and, and the 
billion. Oh, trillion okay, billion. okay. So in in that case, Steve Rogers still exists as Steve Rogers. He just may not be Captain America. Okay, yes. Okay. That, I'm I'm getting it now. That makes sense. And same thing. You know, there's two fighter pilots, and one of them touches the thing, and it's I right. it's Carol Danvers. But in the other version, it's Monica Rambeau who touches it. Right, Rambeau, right. Okay, okay. Touch. That that makes sense. That that's that, what that helps. Yes. Uh, one of I dude chills. With the X-Men flurry from the cartoon. Yes. Which is funny because I, I know like, some people were excited and some people were frustrated with that voice being betrayed in the trailer. And I was a little skeptical because I was like, okay, is this the way that they introduce the X-Men? It's a cool way to introduce and yet not introduce the X-Men and yes. Fantastic Four and the Inhumans all at once. Right. Oh, God. And just... It kills me. It was so good. I watched it again, and it happened again. I was like, oh, nope, same feeling. Same feeling as the first time. <laughs> uh, I do think what's interesting is the... Um, Which is funny, because they could have done... They, they could have done the music from the X-Men movies, but they chose the X-Men... No, yeah. And he was, in the, he was in, like, the cartoon car, just the live-action version of it. Yes. But Which it was amazing. the live-action... Uh, Professor Xavier, not the yeah. animated one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. I think John Krasinski did a great job. There was like this, like the, this, he- like he played the character with such this like incredibly heavy weight of knowing too much. Yes, and I really, I really like that tormented superhero. I think that's a really cool concept, and he sold it in the I don't know thirty seconds of screen time that he had. <laughs> yeah, <it was laughs> like, Reed so- Richards always is put upon, whether it be because of his own foibles or because of knowing too much of everything else that's gone on around him. There's yeah. always something that's weighing him down and it's, he's did a good uh, job. Uh, that was crazy. And, 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 but then to go from that, like introduce his character is really cool. And then we're, you know, we're ultimately deciding that in the grand scheme of the MCU, that only one, <laughs> there is only one canonical <laughs> universe. And that is the one where all of the characters that we've established come from. So all of these are expendable. <laughs> we're going to kill every one of them. And yeah. in just spectacular fashion. <laughs> and that was so dark when she's like, is their mother still alive? Yes, good. There'll be someone to raise them. I was like, oh no. <laughs> which, which is great because it's a great mic drop moment, but also it is true to the sliver of humanity that's left that you're asking, like, what, what happened? Why is she willing to go so far? She has maintained a pinky toe yeah. touching yeah. where she came from. Oh, what set me on this path is I have these children that realistically are hypothetical, but I manifested as being real and their parents can't be with them and i want nothing more than to be with them and i have to kill you because you're standing in the way of me getting my children but i am sympathetic to your children so i'm going to kill you either way but i'll feel one percent less worse the fact that they have a mother who's going to still be able to take care of them (laughs) you know i mean there's a really simple solution to her entire problem and that is that she can go find the 3d printed vision and make the children of theseus and that's it it's done (laughs) We're just done. Everybody's fine. You get your kids. It's over. What's well, the uh, thing? Uh, th- th- see, there was multiple. You could choose your own adventure. There's multiple different ways they could have unraveled this. I think, on the one hand, showing a version of her kids that seemed quite a lot like the version that she mm-hmm. found in her hypothetical children that weren't actually real in this different universe. But you could have done this in a different way, I think, too, where. They could have just been totally different from her own kids, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't going to work Here, quite how I want. Let's get this. Let's make this even darker. What if 
the reality that she infiltrated was also a WandaVision situation and they weren't even real. Oh, in every universe? But that's the whole point, is that in some universe they are real, right? Though like that's Maybe. the point. But yeah, no, you're or right. In every universe. You, she if you had if this you manifestation. Had, well, say if you had more time or you wanted to take more time, you could have done that, right? You could have done a universe where she's like, okay, I finally found what I wanted, but they're not real. It's like fuck. And then yeah. she goes to the next one. No, they aren't how I want them to be, you know, then she goes to the next really, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the one where you get the ending that you ultimately get. And it's like, okay, no matter how yeah. many different universes I choose, it's never going to work out. They're not actually my kids. There's a different Wanda's kids. Yeah. Um, also, like, talking about the different multi- versions of the multiverse, I just remembered a joke I saw several weeks ago where <laughs> there's a joke. It, uh, I think it's the first time we see the kids where they're talking about playing a video game and it was a, a, a baseball video game. And okay. they were both talking about how it was, I think it was the 2000, was it the 2003 Detroit Tigers or the, the best team ever. And that's funny because in real life, historically it's one of the worst teams ever. <laughs> so in this version <laughs> of the multiverse, they were, they were oh, one of the funny. worst teams ever to be one of the best teams ever. I, I think that was <laughs> what I read more or less. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like thinking back, like those early 2000s, the Tigers teams were dreadful. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man, I uh, circling back to like the the Illuminati uh, and just the brutal end that they all come to. Especially, she cut Agent Carter in half. Which, like, that's the only way that can go, right? Like, I respect the shit out of the fact that she's she can do this all day, but like, you can't against someone who is both super powerfully magical and also super evil now. But I just like, I, I think what really sold that moment and like the power of Wanda was that they wasted no time. They they burned through every character really quickly in like spectacular fashion. And it was well, like, I, oh I, my God, this is heavy. <laughs> I, I, I do love that Sam Raimi is like, yeah, I seen the Matrix and that scene where he gets rid of his mouth is pretty cool. But what if I made it a hundred times worse? Yeah. What if I just made it absolutely horrifying? <laughs> yes. What if I took that, which was already a horrifying scene, and make it a hundred times worse? Yeah. <laughs> Your brain is mush. And also, like, symbolically, it feels like the right end to another Anson Mouts Black Bolt character, because that show was always doomed to fail. It did <laughs> fail. <laughs> they bring him back for a swan song, and he still gets zero lines, sorry, one line, and he still needs... <laughs> a dreadful end not that the character on screen made a dreadful end of the show but the show lasted like like i don't even know if it was a full season so mm. um that it was cool to bring him back but man <laughs> like yeah. for someone who's be, supposed to be so powerful to get absolutely dominated also it was like the inverse of the incredibles like you caught me monologuing why would you let her know what your power is and how to defeat yeah her? like like super ma- powerfully magical oh i just can't let you speak that's easy enough <laughs> she snaps her fingers and he can't anymore. She just shredded up. Um, yeah, ribbons. Reed, Reed Richards. Cut him to ribbons. Uh, literally, ribbons. <laughs> like you said, Ca- Captain Carter gets sliced in half. Um, but uh, I respect, uh, I appreciated that Captain Marvel actually held her own. Um, yeah. Although That's I will she got say crushed by a statue. That still feels like that shouldn't kill her. Yeah, I was confused by that too. But, but and, then, and then uh, uh, Professor X just straight up gets his imaginary neck snapped, which, you know, I guess Nightmare on Elm Street style matters. 
I was going to say, again, horrifying seeing the way it's done with like that cloud of red smoke yeah. and like the stop motion stuff. That's like, I know you don't usually love that sort of thing, but I thought it was very effective. It's okay. That. It's it's semi-fitting because like I feel like it was invented for the purposes of a witch. <laughs> and they were just they used it they used it sparingly enough that it worked for me. But yeah, in that, that middle section of the movie, it straight up turns into an 80s style slasher. With, yeah, which like, is like 80s yeah. styles, 80s style slasher with a dash of Terminator. And like that's yeah, cool because that butter. is legitimately thrilling. Yep. That was good. I uh and like the her like covered in I don't know ultron oil and <laughs> like limping through as like the unstoppable horror for it was just great like there's that a perfect was... word that you only use it for that sort of thing she shambled after them she, <laughs> she, was, she was a shambling yeah. horror. speaking of shambling they're um they're shooting the walking dead near me and it's like some spin-off series and they feel like it's like the news headline was Route 35 closed due to zombies. <laughs> Wait, is this the Rick and Michonne show? We never talked about that earlier. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just whatever. Some new some new Walking Dead property. Okay. So I just thought it was funny. Um, we'll tidbit. Uh, my only other like main thing that I want to touch on was I thought that that musical fight with Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange Darkhold was really awesome. And yeah, that one's been super polarizing. People either loved or hated it. And I don't. Oh, I thought it was so cool. I don't understand hating it. Like, I, I can understand if you kind of nothing it, I, I guess. But I don't understand why. Well, I, yeah, what's the I don't know what the what's the dislike. I just like, thought oh, that, that was amazing cool, that it was like corny or whatever. And it's like, no, like, again, back to my point in like my hot take at the beginning. So many people complain about, oh, all these superhero movies are the same thing. Where have you seen people fight with the power of music before in the MCU? Yeah, yeah it is absurd. It is something I gen- I legitimately, I laughed when I was watching it. But in a good way. I didn't laugh at it. I laughed with it. I was like, oh, yeah. that's totally out of left field. Why that. not? <laughs> that's kind of cool. Love, I, I love the way that it ends with the one single note from the harp turning into some sort of musical supernova, launching a bizarro Doctor Strange out the window and impaling him on a spike a la Mortal Kombat. Like, yes. <laughs> how ridiculous. And then the eye opening up, which was but, to, just yeah. to get the close-up scream of Rachel McAdams. Which, I'm glad that they finally gave her an opportunity to, like, do something in this mm. movie. At first, I was like, oh, like, they got her for the wedding scene, and that's kind of fun, and she gets to throw a couple of jabs at her, and it's like, deeply underutilized character in the first one. And I get why they mm-hmm. moved away from her and I don't understand why she wouldn't, but then she's in this movie a decent amount and she gets to play a couple of different versions of her own character. Yeah. Know, because it's the multiverse. And I, I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a cool bow. We don't, she doesn't likely return in any way, shape or form beyond this movie. And she doesn't have to, I think it would mm-hmm. be weird to have her return anymore, but I, I, I thought it put a nice bow on what could have been. Yeah, I agree. I will say, you know, you mentioned she's played it like a couple of versions of herself. Um, I've always liked Benedict Cumberbatch. I thought he, I think he's a great actor. Uh, this, I feel like this really blew me away. The ability to play the same character with just very slight differences, but making that character somebody entirely different by just tweaking one aspect of, but playing them all like really well. And I was blown up. Like it was like there's just subtle differences that completely change everything. And yeah, I, I mean, he's I, a really good actor. He I was, was super the impressed by it. for this character. Yeah, 
he is Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so cool. I I also love his relationship with Wong. Yeah. And that he finally uh, bows to him at the end. They are a perfect odd couple pairing. Yeah. Um, it's funny because like they're not even frenemies, like it, and it's not even a love hate relationship. It's very much like an older brother, younger brother type of thing mm-hmm. where like one of them needles the other one and the other one gets a jab back occasionally, but you still kind of yeah. know it's mostly going one way or the other. And the guys kind of put upon and, but like they still have, they still trust and love each other and have each other's back. Um, I don't know. It, so, it, the, the two of them kind of make me, make me grin just their reactions. Together. Yeah. Just something as stupid as when they sit down with America for the first time in the cafe and he's yep. needling him about the wedding and all that stuff. <laughs> 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 Wait, you don't speak Spanish? No, he barely. No, he barely I don't. Speaks English. Yes, I do. Mind? <laughs> <Can you? laughs> well, was, he's like, he's like, he barely speaks English. I'm not even convinced he enjoys this language. That's so good. I also like when uh, just to circle back. You know, it's customary to bow in front of the sor- the Sorcerer Supreme, and then like later on, all of the new people that are coming in to help bow in front of them. He goes, "See, it's customary." <laughs> and he goes, "He's like, I'm aware of the customs." <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Uh, just it's just a really fun. I really enjoyed it. I've watched it now like two or three times because I like have watched it in pieces multiple times after watching it the first time, and I've just I've really been enjoying my time with it. Um, do you have any? Oh, well, we haven't really talked about America at all. Yeah, that's a weird one. Like it, that, it's so strange. It's like this very op character for the purpose of the plot as far as this movie is concerned like we guess so, no moving. i think i think they did a good job of like yeah ultimately like the implication of her power is overwhelming but yeah she can't harness it so she ends up becoming a liability more than uh yeah than a, a benefit which we see in the opening scene when dr Sh- that version of dr strange was gonna kill her or yeah. steal her power well, because i like so that whole thing with the like all these doctors, all these Stephen Strangers are the same. It's like she's like, no, I I have met a few of them. He's different, <laughs> like, and I like that. I thought that was really cool. The other part, she early on is concerned. Are you? Yeah, of course. Gonna be like the rest of them? Are you gonna fail? Are you gonna kill me? Are you gonna give in? For are you gonna do the thing for the greater good? The greater good. Yeah, um, the greater and, good. <laughs> you know, kill me or take my powers. Like that, Doctor Strange did not try to take her powers for his own personal benefit, and he did yeah. not want to kill her to to gain anything he was gonna do something that he didn't want to do but was fully prepared to do because it seemed like the lesser of all evils to him yeah but without hesitation yeah and the um one more thing with that character that i i liked that the way their relationship came together in the end um you know as as dr strange is leaving to go back to the sanctum and he I was opening it up, and he's about to walk through, and she's like, "Oh, hold on one second. And she put walks up to her, and he turns around. And she goes, "Sup?" <laughs> and they, they just like kind of share a moment, and it's like really sweet because it's it, it reminds me of like, um, in No Way Home, the way Doctor Strange, you know, he feels bad for Peter because of all the crap that he's had to go through. So he like, I think know, we're he, past the point of calling me Doctor Strange. Yeah, all right, yeah. Stephen. No. That didn't still feel right. feels weird, <laughs> but like they, I, it, it's funny because like after you know the the events of that movie, he doesn't remember that stuff, presumably, and he's having like a similar like caring moment a, with this child. I heard a 
I, on that topic, I heard a fun theory the other day. Because remember when she says something about the multiverse, he says, we had our own experience with Spider-Man and they have that whole hysterical conversation. Wait, is he a man like with the power of a spider? Like, you know, like, like what's the whole thing? They started like, is, is he like have eight legs? This, that, the other thing. And there's a couple of questions where he's like, no, no, she I don't. webs out of his butt? Yeah. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> but he's, you know, by rights, he shouldn't remember who Spider-Man is. Right. The spell. So I saw a theory few weeks ago on this which if it's not canon it probably should be you remember when he's going to do that spell Wong says leave me out of this and he disappears Mm. and so the theory is when Doctor Strange did the spell he left Wong out of it Ah, and so at the end of it Doctor Strange doesn't remember who Peter Parker or Spider-Man is but Wong does who can then inform him about what happened I like that. Because I'm sure on, on the surface, that looks like it's a continuity error, but hmm. it's not through that one little loophole. Yeah. Well, the uh, I'm not overly concerned with the way that they talked about it, because it's not that they forgot about Spider-Man, it's they forgot about Peter, and the relationship that I was talking about was like the one that he had with Peter. That no, but the whole, the, the, the whole point was that he doesn't... No one remembers... No one knows who Peter Parker is, and there is no Spider-Man. No. Yeah, because it's just that nobody nobody knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Not that there's no Spider-Man. But no one knows who Peter Parker is. Yeah. But Spider-Man still exists. And they know and they remember their interactions with him, I would imagine. I don't know if they left that off. That's how I that that's how I kind of Because remember, he like resets the whole character into a street level friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hmm. He does it from scratch. I, I, I'd have to rewatch the movie. I still haven't got to see it again since the first time seeing it. I thought the whole point was that God, no one remembers who movie. he is, period. I really enjoyed it, too. I just haven't got a chance to sit down and watch it again. Man. Now I want to rewatch that one. I post... Well, the, the, I guess the only other thing with, the, uh, with America is the power that she has that she doesn't... I don't know how to use it. And it's like, in the, at the end, after like two hours of chaos, he's like, Yes, you do. You're right. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Why did you say that to begin with? <laughs> well, you had kind of sort of seen I she know. was figuring it out, but I she know. was so when she, like, when she elbows the glass and it almost happens and she goes, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she's kind of shell-shocked. Like, you can understand, yeah. like, she doesn't want to use it because the first time she ever used it, she killed her parents. Or yeah. so she thinks. Yeah. Um, They're not dead. They're in the paint universe. That was hysterical to me because that was a cool scene where they like jump they're like skittering through the different universes and there's one that's mm-hmm. like, very robotic and like uh, were they existing within a computer chip I want to say I, um, I don't know and you know there's this that and the other thing they're underwater this and I was like they go through the one I was like hang on a second was that paint and then like <laughs> they, they show up on like a normal-ish universe it's like okay they go on and the scene cuts they go on for like five more minutes and they're just walking and talking and Dr. Strange just goes <laughs> Hang on a second, Marie, she goes, yes, paint. Yeah, you don't want to call it in that universe. And I was like, oh my god, I was right, that was paint. <laughs> I was like, again, like, you want something different? Like, this movie is giving you different. Like, they're checking boxes, but, like, there is not another movie that they have done. No. Or DC has done that's anything like this movie. No, it's, it's, I, I really enjoyed it. There's, uh, we have two post-credit sequences. Uh, the first of which I had to look. I I mean I don't know anything about this character. Didn't recognize the character. I guess is Clea. 
The Charlize Theron character? Yeah. Um, oh, I guess we had... Th- was it three post-credit scenes? Was there one? No, was so that- the, scene w- the scene where his third eye opens technically happens before the credits. Oh, uh, okay. It feels that, like a post That with the scene. rock music leading into it, like, forming on his forehead was really cool. Oh, yeah. By the way, I meant to ask you about that. I forgot about it. Thank you for reminding me. There was a handful of times in this that they used some very porny guitar, and it seems like you were okay with it in this one. You just didn't like it in Wonder Woman. Uh, it was the only song in Wonder Woman. And That's it was fair. played over and over again for a two-hour runtime of them. Um, anyway. uh, I like the, I like the well enough in both movies. That, that's why. But I the, the, uh, this 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 clear character, uh, when she, I didn't really know. I don't know the name of it until I looked it up afterwards. So like she, this is like a really cool sword thing where she like cut open, <laughs> like I don't yeah, know the, subtle, the dimension, the which the I thought knife. was amazing. Um, I liked. I didn't. I was like, oh, that's cool. It looks kind of like a combination of what I remember from the first Doctor Strange movie and a little bit of, like, Quantum Realm-y inside of there. I wonder what no, that it's a, means. It's a, thing, it's a thing from the first movie. Yeah, and then, yeah, then to find out that she's Dormammu's niece is interesting. <laughs> Which is weird. How does he have such a hum- humanoid yeah. niece? That looks I, like I went, how is that? It's okay. That <laughs> just moved on. What was that uh, called? Was it the Shadow Realm or the the Dark Realm or whatever the fuck? What was what was that I, called? I don't. Remember. I think Shadow. Shadow sounds right. Shadow Realm. I feel like was something else. Is that from Yu Gi Oh? What do you even something. look up? Where does Dormammu live? Yes, actually. Probably. Where does Dormammu live? What? What are Dormammu herpes? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, the Dark Dimension. The Dark Dimension. Okay. Yeah. Uh, God, I love that. Actually, that's a great scene from the first one where he's like, Dormammu, when he walks over and over again, the time loop. So good. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, the wearing off of the spell on Pizza Papa and exclaiming basically to the audience, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Which I liked. <laughs> I felt bad for Bruce Campbell. He looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he's eating all those pizza pops. You got anything else in this movie? The third eye creeped me out a little bit. It was a little creepy. Uh, and apparently it's going to have some interesting implications. Well, it is a bit interesting that they had both someone with a third eye and separately the Illuminati. <laughs> like the fact that those yeah. two things weren't tied to yeah. together. It's a little bit odd. Um, uh, they were tangentially, you know, the... But Very Shanti was there, and that's I'm assuming where he got the power from holding it for those two seconds. Maybe I'm not really sure how he got it. Well, I'm curious because the other one who fucked up his realm with the incursion was mm-hmm. also had a third eye, and he used the dark holes. Yeah, I kind of got this impression that maybe that was like an evil version, and the, the Shanti one was more of a. I don't know. It's like, and like that's the one that our Doctor Strange developed. Who knows? I have no idea. Okay. They didn't explain it at all, so there's no. There's well, no but, way to know. but but the but this version of Doctor Strange uses the dark hole. He did. He did. But in the post credit scene, he's not alarmed by it. It seems like it's going to be helpful. So well, he's he certainly seems to have reached some sort of equilibrium with it. But we also don't know of, what that. What's this? I, what's it called? Aga Agamoto. Aga, Agamato. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. But they, they destroyed that, didn't they? It's, it's in his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm very curious to see where that goes. Um, 
I also I kind of dug the whole seance thing that they did with <laughs> the, the weird demon things that were flying around, and then yeah, his whole zombie the, dement- strange, the dementors, the zombie strange thing with like his like and he like like lashed all those like demons to him, and he's like using yeah. them to fly, and he's using the that wings was that was kind weapons. of funny. I liked that that funny uh, that little wink and a nod of like who said they have to be alive. And you're like, oh god, what a setup. Buried that yep. there earlier in the show. So Chekhov's dead. Chekhov's strange cars. <laughs> <laughs> also, I that felt very inspired by um, Billy from Hocus Pocus. Yes, like that whole corpse sequence. Could not agree more. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, that is all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanza. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming. So, we're a handful of episodes into the final episodes of Better Call Saul. How many have you seen? Are you up to date? Yes, I saw this week. That's, that's four then, right? Or three? That's, that's remaining? No, that we saw. I don't remember how many I watched. There's three remaining. There's three remaining. The last episode I can't remember was... if I watched three or four episodes. The last episode is the All Gene episode. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. Okay, so that's that. That, I think, was the... Yeah, don't ask me. I don't remember. Well, anyway, um, what a what? First off, what a way to kick it off, right? Like picking right up, which is weird because the way that they the, the that episode feels like it could have been the end of the first part of the season, but I guess yes. they wanted to keep the train rolling. But which is an odd choice to then bring it to a stop well, <laughs> a couple episodes they, in. They basically said that they weren't planning on doing a pause like they didn't write the season mm. to accommodate the pause the pause happened because of amc plus bob and kirk almost dying plus sure, the pandemic sure. so no but uh that was that the resolution with lalo was like the seeing it's so cool to watch that episode and keep thinking that one person has the upper hand literally until- cat mass yeah, and it's just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So you end up in the hole and you're like, oh, that gun. Gustavo's gun. That's not Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's literal gun. <laughs> uh, which is, I mean, I knew it was coming. And then like when he's outside the lunge, I was like, you could see how the whole thing is going to play out, except for how's he going to get to the gun. And then like the, I thought it was really cool that like, Lalo is so crazy and he likes the weird and interesting that the reason that the plan works is because Gus leads into like leans into the theatrics of, you know, bad mouthing the boss and uh, Lalo's eating it up, which gives him enough time to get into position and, you know, blow the switch and, and find the gun. It's just like, it, it was so perfectly executed. And I just, and also a, me- a complete mess, which is like to Mike's point. When he's talking, are you happy with how that went down? Because <laughs> like, I'm not. <laughs> well, they got just about everything wrong, but still ended up with the result they wanted in the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
and then within that episode and then um then so that 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 episode was great and it was like the tie up of like everything with, with lalo and then moving on to the next one uh i love getting that deeper peek into mike's character um because he's such a tormented soul and he's always like he's He's doing this work that is dangerous, almost as if like he's punishing himself because he like like there's a guilt that he's alive and his son is not, and it's so interesting. And then to have him go and talk to Nacho's father, and you know pretend that it's a you know you know he well one out of respect he like wants to let him know to give the father some closure because closure, yeah. his son died right. But and then you know to say that you know there's going to be you don't have to worry about the Solomon because their time is coming like there's justice will be served type of thing. And there's this amazing shot that they do where they put the camera dead center on the fence pole and Nacho's dad is completely in the clear and Mike is behind the fence. And it's just this really amazing thing that Nacho's father has already made peace with this. He knows and he's freed by it. He's let it go. He, and Mike is just trapped in this cage that he cannot and will never escape. And I just think that that was such a beautifully shot scene and it blew me away. And I just like, well, they, re- they reinforced it and hammered at home too, with him saying like, we're going to get justice. And he just scoffs at the idea of justice. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, it was just so, it's so, so, so good. Uh, that, that was wild. And then I like, okay. It's, it's still insane to me that she doesn't have an Emmy. Um, <laughs> finally nominated. We okay. Totally missed on the whole Emmy thing because it was a few weeks ago. And oh, okay. yeah, I didn't even that. I didn't like, she, look at the nominees. She was finally nominated. Good. Well, thank God because uh, if not, um, that would have been a travesty. Because that scene at the funeral where she just on the spot makes up this really compelling story that ties into the other experiences that she's going to get validation for, like. I was like, oh, this I is so scene. dark and heavy. <laughs> I came out of that scene just feeling so bad for Cliff Bane because he's been dragged into this whole thing. Yeah. He doesn't understand how or even that he has been dragged into this whole thing. No, he's, he's got been no utterly clue. perplexed this whole season. Like, my friend has just devolved into some sort of, like, cocaine-snorting, prostitute-banging psychopath yes. who then just suddenly and unexpectedly killed himself. And... Also, I couldn't Have help you ever seen another... any behavior like this? This isn't the time or place to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> talk about, you know, bad lying there, but... Um, yeah. You're also a lawyer. That, <laughs> to, to stick with the whole AMC, keeping it in the family thing, you never watched Mad Men, right? No. Um, so I didn't realize that A Star Was Born had been remade multiple times. I didn't realize yeah. it was like an old movie. And one of the seasons... I don't think they were doing promotion for it but they were talking about it and doing an ad for something else and they talked about the scene where because i guess in every version of it the guy dies slightly differently spoiler alert for all of the different versions of the star is born and one of them he just walks into the ocean and the staging Mm -hmm. of that scene perfectly mirrored the staging from that old version of a star is born which i thought was cool because i never saw the movie but i only know it through Madman and both of them being on sure. AMC, it felt kind of like intentional that that should all be kind of hmm. like referential of each other. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but it, it just, it, as soon as I saw it, it reminded me of that scene from Mad Men, um, which is funny because it's referencing a scene from something else entirely that's is yeah. famous, if not more so. Um, 
But yeah, Cliff Main get dragged into all this, watch his old friend die, and then, you know, he gets caught in the middle of this whole argument, it's like, he just wants this whole to be over with and done. I, I felt bad for him, because he never did anything wrong by anyone, yeah. including Jimmy. He was so upset when Jimmy blows up that whole deal initially. It's like, what did I ever do to you? He didn't yeah, do anything. that was brutal. He had done even less to deserve that behavior than Chuck or, or Howard ever did, so... Mm-hmm. um. But I, I have a weird anecdote about watching this episode. So this was last Monday that that episode aired, and there was a really, really bad thunderstorm that day, and it fucked up the recording. No. And so the show cut from 70% of the way through them trying to convince Howard's ex slash widow, and it picked up. 30 seconds from the end of their breakup. Oh my god. And I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. I just missed the most important scene (laughs) in the whole goddamn show! (laughs) Yeah. I was so mad. So I didn't even get to watch. I missed the court scene entirely, so I didn't even... I got the gist of what the breakup was all about. Yeah. But I didn't even understand the whole thing about her relinquishing her Yeah, you had no idea what was going on. (laughs) I was so confused that that scene. And that scene is so good, too, where she's just, uh, uh, care to explain why? No, Your Honor. Personal reasons? Health reasons? No, Your Honor. Would you like to discuss this in my chambers? I appreciate the concern, but no, Your Honor. (laughs) And then, like, the pushing and pushing and pushing. Because I'm no longer an attorney. It was a painful, painful scene to watch. Yeah. Painful to watch her lose everything. Yeah. But by choice, she's the only Mm -hmm. person who isn't forced to give up something that they Mm -hmm. want or care about or love. Everyone else has something taken away from them by force in this show and in the other show. Yeah. Whether it be by getting arrested, getting killed, getting sent into exile to save their skin, imprisoned by meth heads. Yeah. Every one of them loses what they craved or wanted by having Well, yeah, and, and, you know, very clearly in that scene, Jimmy, right? Because he's, he's actually turning around. He's enjoying his life with Kim, and he doesn't really want to do the scam. He kind of just yeah. wants to live. And this sends him... I The way that they like do it quickly, we're like, okay, now the next scene is Jimmy waking up on the spinning bed in his like golden house with all this like all the stuff around him. It's like, he fully becomes Saul. Like, Jimmy is dead. And I think that yeah, that's, is... that's the moment that he becomes Saul, truly. Yeah, and it's so heavy and powerful and so well executed. And I just... Uh, they're really just tremendous with this show. It's also cemented my to date best prediction of all of it that it was about her breaking bad, but she's just the only one who's able to see it and avoid yeah. it, right? Because that's that's what that admission is, right? She goes, "I was afraid we we're going to break up. I was afraid we we're going to give up on the scam because I was having too much fun." And you could see yeah. the self loathing in because I was having too much fun, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, when you total it up. We're poison. So that was uh, interesting. It was compelling. It was really, really strong stuff. And it's 
it ended up being a bit of a twist. We had to figure it was coming to an end, something like that, if it mm-hmm. wasn't going to end in her death. And obviously with Lalo dying, we figured that her life was probably safe, short of her killing herself, maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you think that think her story's died. over? No, God no. There's yeah, three more episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I am still curious to see where it rolls. Where well, it I still to. think... So it's funny. So many people read the end of this past episode the finally we've been asking about it for a couple of seasons when we're going to finally get some closure on the gene storyline. Hmm. So many people are reading the end of that episode as the end of the gene story. No, absolutely. I didn't get that at all, which is why I was really shocked. Like I was reading the couple of companion pieces to this week's episode that Seppenwall wrote the recap. And then he interviewed the person who I feel is the writer or the director of the episode. And he referenced, and I saw online too, afterwards I was looking into it. A lot of people think that's the end of the gene storyline i don't buy that no no because that if that that would be a really strange that's that i don't i can't imagine that that's the end of his story yeah it doesn't make sense well sorry could it i would be i would be okay if the rest of the three episodes are gene yeah i mean to an extent i kind of thought so i thought we would get at least one more interstitial episode of between Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, and then finish off with two or three episodes mm-hmm. of just Gene, yeah. <clears throat> or split them up between across that those two storylines. You know what I mean? Like like half yeah. and half, or sixty forty, or forty sixty, whatever. Um, to see them jump to this, it would be weird for me for them to go back fully. But we know they're going to go back at least somewhat because we still haven't seen Walter White or Jesse Pickman. We know they're in it, right? So we're going back at some point, but I don't by this being the end of the Gene storyline, and I still think there is no way in hell it's a coincidence he goes to Nebraska. Now, I'm not right. saying him and, and Kim end up together, but they have to ha- reconcile in some way, shape, or form. I'm not saying it means that they end up on good terms, but there has to be some other additional yeah. meeting or conversation well, between I, them. I did like that what this episode did was it made me come to terms with that my theory of who this person was that figured out who Saul, well, who Gene was um, in that like tease that we got in the previous Gene segments. I thought that it was going to be that Kim's been looking for him and has found him. And like, this is like a PI of some sort that she's using, but that's not at all what was going on. Uh, But it ended up being a really like, it was a really entertaining episode to watch him slip right back into his way. That's the other thing about this episode. There's a lot of people, and I'm not saying it's a majority, complaining about this episode, calling it Better Call Saul's version of The Fly. That's wild to me. That, yeah, that's... that's Like, if this isn't your favorite that's episode, that's fine. But it, I don't see how this could be as polarizing. Like, The Fly didn't work for me, but I get why it worked for some people. Like, mm-hmm. It's not like there's no merits to that episode. It just didn't quite work for me. This yeah. was a legitimately interesting and compelling episode that had real story and character implications and was not a slow episode either. No. So I don't understand. It was actually super intense. I was watching it through my fingers, especially with the whole, like watching the security. When you finally see the the heist actually go down. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even, I couldn't take it. Um, Oh, and the slip, the spectacular slip, especially considering this show basically starting off with a guy named slipping Jimmy to see someone else do it unintentionally. (laughs) Yeah. I also was wondering I I pictured a much darker end to that story. I thought, and they kind of played to it for a second, I thought that the plan was going to be for him to jump back in the box, and I thought he was going to die inside the box. Oh. 
because he cracks his head. He gets up. Yeah, the he's way he stumbles struggling to later. get the stuff in, and then when he gets all the stuff in the box, when he goes to step up away, he stumbles and almost falls again. Yeah. I thought the plan was going to be, oh, since they're coming to pick up the box, he's just going to lay and hide in the box. They're going to pick up mm-hmm. the box and he's going to leave. I didn't realize his plan was to go hide in the bathroom and all that overnight. I assumed yeah. he's going in that box and he dies inside the box. And whether they get the box out free and clean or not, I thought the point was it was going to end with them with a dead body. Yeah. And there's have no coming back from that, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, that was wild. That was wild. I'm really, I, I just, I'm eating this up. I, I'm so ready for the next episode. When it was over, I was like, nope, I need the next one. <laughs> Give me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> man, it's wild. It's like, it's coming to an end. It's so funny because I was like, watching it, man. Like I've, I've forgotten more about the show at this point because it's been on for so long. Yeah, I especially with such a long gap between, like. Season yeah. five and six, and there was a pretty long gap between season four and five too. Yeah, um, I, and you know, I had forgotten there was no Gene thing last season too. Like, so it's been years since we saw him. Like, I forgot the details of how he got discovered by the cab guy. It's mm-hmm. been so long since I saw it because that was the first episode of that season. That's like four years ago now. Yeah, and they ended up recasting the guy too. I was gonna ask that, like he, I, they did. Yeah, he did. It's not okay. the same guy. Oh, all right, that's funny. the uh, The only other thing that I want to note on was um, after Gus goes and meets uh, the boss, and they get it all sorted out. Where basically, you know, he gets away with it. Right, he gets away with killing Wallow, and he's going to continue on and build his his uh, his lab. Um, we get like this. I don't know. Seven minute sequence of Gus celebrating in the most low key fashion of just enjoying some pleasures of life, uh, and then putting a hard stop. It's like he has a timer on, and he's like, "Okay, I'm done being, I'm done enjoying now." It was the first time we ever saw him act like a human. Yeah, that we ever saw him be him, not the drug kingpin, not the facade he puts up as the. The polite businessman. Like yeah. we, this is the first time we saw Gus Fring, not yeah. Don Gustavo, and not the Chicken Man. It's the first time we've seen just Gus Fring, a guy mm. who is living in a world, right? Like who's just being a person. Yeah, and very. I actually found that he's a terrible person. Yeah, but I actually found that seemed to be kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, like even it really is, on had, so many levels. Like, even if things had gone right for him in the beginning, if he is... So, I mean, at this point, obviously, we have kind of soft confirmation that he is a gay man. We've we've kind of always known, but it was never officially confirmed that could have been his friend or his brother or his boyfriend. It, was, it seemed obvious that, that the man that, that Don Hector kills is his husband, boyfriend, lover, however you want to phrase it. It doesn't right. matter. Um, so we, we see confirmation of that in this. But if he hadn't been killed... And Gus goes on to be the best version of himself. He's still going to end up being a terrible person. Yeah. He's still going to be a drug kingpin who ultimately will probably have to kill people. Yeah. So there's no version of his story that ends with him being a nice, happy, contented man. No. And yet, I, it's the strength of the writing and the strength of the performance the, that he so imbued that character in that moment, like you said, that lasted for about seven minutes with just regular human emotion there that almost wiped away 
two whole shows worth of hating this guy. I mean, yeah. loving the character for like enjoying him on the screen, but hating him as a person. Mm-hmm. And it was wiped away in a couple of minutes where I felt bad for him that he couldn't just enjoy this conversation with this man that he clearly likes. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, it was like, I kind of gave me like the willies, like the, that, if look that he puts on his face before he like, yeah. When you watch him put the mask Brett, on, tell him I was called away. And it's like, 100, 100, 100. When, when he starts putting the chair back, very calculated, you know he's fully back in his mode. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's just, it really is an incredible performance. It's like some Manchurian candidate stuff where, like, yeah. someone set yeah. their fingers and he just turned into a different person. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's so wild. I am super pumped for the next episodes. Yeah, I mean, I it's that paradoxical thing where... You desperately want to see what comes next, but you also don't want it to end. Yeah, I, I'm weirdly, I with with things like this. I'm actually uh, Kim's the same way. Like, like, oh, I don't want it to be over. I'm I'm okay. If there was one more left, I'd be like, I'd watch it immediately and be happy with it and be fine with. It. I I don't really care because so, I'm I'm happy to know that I could always watch it again. <laughs> sure, but I always want you want it, more. But it's that good. I want more. like this isn't a chore. I'm not finishing this to finish it. This isn't The Walking Dead. I love the show. Yeah. And the quality hasn't suffered. It's not like we've watched a slow decline no, over the last could, several years. It could if you keep going. No, it's, it's good. But it hasn't. Wow. And so you keep being <laughs> imbued with that. Well, surely you could give me more excellence here and I yeah. get to enjoy more stuff. <laughs> it is the greediest thing that you can do as a viewer. I fully admit that. But I want more. <laughs> well, we checked the voicemails. Tune in next week for the next episode rundown.